Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Woo! Sorry, just trying to get really excited. I can't stop my nose blooming. You know when you get your nose streaming and you think, oh, what a pain this is. And I woke up last night and I sort of sat in front of the television and I thought, I've got to eat something. So I had grated cheese and roast beef. I mean, it's a bit sad. Sliced roast beef, obviously. And yesterday got the bargain of the century. Bargain of the century. Bad news about Neil Diamond. That's awful, isn't it? I'm glad I've got him. I've got him on DVD in Australia. Very irritating audience to work to. And, um, yeah, you know why? Because they were throwing little streamers. That's the mentality of the Australian. Little streamers. And it kept landing on his guitar. And then it landed on his hair, and you know, and it was all a bit difficult. But anyway, he's um, he's um, been diagnosed with Parkinson's. He's seventy six. I'm a huge fan of Neil Diamond, huge fan of Neil. A friend of mine went to see him in concert. You know, I thought love was only true in fairy tales. Then for someone else, but not for me. I love it. Holy, holy! Oh, I love it. Brother loves traveling salvation show. All of the hits. Go, go on to Amazon and buy Neil Diamond live in concert. You watch the audience singing along to it. They love him. Love him to pieces. But um, based on his doctor's advice, the third leg of his 50th anniversary tour has been cancelled. That was taking in Australia and New Zealand for this coming March. God, nothing worse than a, a musician who all of a sudden cannot perform. Love him. Love him to peace. I think that's really, really sad. Very sad. Anyway, it's nice to have your company this morning. I trust you well. So I go out for lunch yesterday. Um, I was doing a, an interview yesterday with Toya. She looks amazing. She's bringing the show Jubilee. Do you remember the film Jubilee? 40 years old, I think it is now. And uh, from the 15th of February, it's going to be in at the Lyric in Hammersmith, the theatre there. Um, it's a very powerful piece. It was Derek Jarman's film which sort of set people apart from a generation. It was lots of voices talking, and this is no different. But I warn you now that some of the seats, and I have to tell you this because it's, it's necessary, just in case you book to go and see Toya, who looks fantastic. She doesn't say too much in it, but she has a, this huge piece at the end. She plays Queen Elizabeth I. In the original film, she played Mad, who was a, who was a psychopath. Um, and at one point, they weren't going to use her in the film because they didn't have enough money, but they found the money and they put her in it. And, and that sort of launched, I suppose, her career. She was on fine form, absolutely fine form. But some of the seats for Jubilee, 15th of February, are on the stage, OK? And so that means the audience are kind of looking at you, looking at them, and there is nudity in it. And as she described to me yesterday, there is full frontal nudity and... Other things. I wasn't too sure what the other things were, but I'm assuming and if you are um, sort of slightly nervous about nudity, then this is maybe not the show for you. If, however, you enjoy a bit of nudity, this is definitely the show for you <laughs> at the Lyric and Hammersmith. 15th. It's only in for a, a limited period, so you have to catch it. They have a very busy schedule down there. So anyway, so I'm, I'm going out yesterday. And uh, so I, I get back home and I thought we, we were going to eat about one thirty, Paul Smith, because he had a day off. And uh, we decided that at 12.30, so I picked him up in my car. I made sure I put plastic on the seats first. I want him sitting on them, you know, not in his jeans. And so we go up to Not Cuts in Staines because it's a very big garden centre and they sell all sorts of bits and pieces. And I think the food in there is really good. I had cod and chips. He had some pasta thing. I had a cup of hot chocolate, which was delicious. Really, really delicious. 
And um, and then later he had a piece of carrot cake and a, and a, and a latte and I had another cup of hot chocolate. But anyway, that, that wasn't the, the point of, of going there. The point of going there was to, A, have a nice time, a bit of a catch-up and all the rest of it. And... Um, and to see if there was a bargain. Because we always go and have a look at the fish, and they've got rabbits in there at the moment. But they, they won't sell you one rabbit, they'll sell you a pair of rabbits. They come as a pair. They were gorgeous. They're like um, 85 quid for a pair of rabbits. But they, they were beautiful. I mean, I'm seriously telling you, they were beautiful. We nearly, nearly bought the rabbits, but we didn't. We didn't. And we had a look at the fish, and that was quite nice. And they've got little um, stingrays in there as well. They've got a pair of stingrays, and they come in at 600 quid per stingray. They're only small. These are from Thailand, I believe. Anyway, that was nothing to do with it. On the way in, there's a big um, box thing which has got snow shovels in. And I thought, snow shovels? We haven't had any snow, have we? And uh, they handle... How much were they for snow shovels? Go on, how much do you think for a snow shovel? Pound. So, because we obviously haven't got any snow and I don't think we're going to get any now. So I bought two. I bought two and Paul bought one as well. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you use it this year or next year because it's plastic with a, a metal edge to it and it's got the, the broom handle and everything. I thought it was good value. For a quid, you can't complain. I thought, I'll, I'll clean it. Mr Vizzino will love that. If, if we get snow, you can use it in all, the, uh, in all the corridors. So I thought that was the bargain of the day. I thought it was amazing. And uh, got back in and I started the sniffles. I thought, oh. God, I don't, I feel fine, I promise you, I don't feel shivery, I don't feel shaky, I don't feel anything, I don't feel anything, I don't feel anything at all, I feel absolutely fine, 190% fine, and I come in this morning and somebody very kindly had brought my, my papers up and done me a little drawing, you know, so that I, I knew who it was, and uh, I thought that was quite nice actually, <laughs> who did bring the papers up, up for me this morning, was it you, oh thank you, it's very sweet. Very sweet. A little post-it note on there was, was appreciated. Life-size was that? Life-size, was it? Oh, right, OK. And uh, so I got that. And so I wandered through the papers. You know what they're all full of? Eugenie, or whatever they're calling her now. Prince Andrew gave her a different name. She's Eugenie, as we all know. And the other one's Beatrice. And uh, they've got this different pronunciation. All it is is she's getting married to a barman, who's now the manager of Mahiki or something. That's sealed my fate. I shan't be going there, thank God. And um, and they're going to get married next year in St George's Chapel. I thought, that's OK, nobody gives a stuff. But uh, a little bit of a spoiler, isn't it, for Meghan Markle and Harry? I'm never too sure how, how much the boys get on with, uh, with Andrew's uh, daughters. Because you don't have to get on with anybody just because they're in the family. They have to sort of do United Front. And neither of them dresses particularly well. So they then go on the one show and start talking about it. As if they were important to the world. As if people were remotely interested, which they're not. Of course, you know, people are interested in, in Harry and Meghan. They're not interested in, in, uh, in Eugenie and her boyfriend, who's called uh, Jack. You know, which is OK. They've been going out for God knows how long. The other one, the one who isn't the better-looking one out of the two, is going there. And you know who's going to be turning up? Fergie. Fergie. This is what Andy... Oh, this is what... We, we, we've got a little clip of Prince Andrew... Uh, so he's just Andy, OK? Randy Andy, he was nicknamed by the press, mainly because he had a few little encounters on islands with all sorts of people. But this is what he said yesterday. Uh, I'm absolutely overjoyed. I'm thrilled. Um, uh, the, the, um, Jack is an absolutely outstanding young man and, uh, and, and Eugenie and he have, uh, have got to know each other over, over a number of years. Uh, and I'm really thrilled for them. And, and I know that... that uh, and I, I can't speak for, for the Duchess, but we're, we... we 
um, and for Beatrice, we, we are overjoyed at, at, at the news today that, that uh, Eugenie and Jack have got engaged. Uh, it's, it's now um, about finding the time and, uh, and, and the date and uh, getting it all organised. Um, and uh, I think probably in the autumn sometime will be, will be, the, will be the sort of time that, we're, that everybody's looking at. But uh, we, can't, we can't fix a date yet. We've got to look at everybody's diaries. <laughs> it's a bit more complicated than that. So, but if it's today... Um, it's their day. Uh, I'm just completely um, overjoyed for them and, uh, and wish them every, every happiness. So she's called Eugenie. Eugenie. Eugenie, you know, it's Eugenie, mate. But uh, it's lovely, and of course, he's a marvellous young man. And interestingly enough, Sarah Ferguson was actually tweeting yesterday as well. After a couple, it, it's, it stopped, because obviously, you know what she's like loose tongue, loose mouth, and all the rest of it. And, uh, and uh, I should imagine. The Duke of Edinburgh's there going, she's not bloody well coming to the castle, is she? God in heaven, we've kept her out for years. And now she's crept in. Make sure she's well away from me, I shall kick her in the shins. They won't like it. They won't like it at all. But uh, I love the way that Prince Andrew, as opposed to referring to her as the ex-wife that I'm having to look after, refers to her as the Duchess. You know, I can't speak for the Duchess. Really? Well, she's living in your property, mate. I thought you actually could have done... They, I mean, could you remember when they had the fire at, at Windsor Castle? Her Majesty... Do you mean Granny or your mother? I mean, come on, grow up, for God's sake. You know, you're the one who's living in the dark ages, Andrew. Yes, usually referred to Granny. And then, and then you know, he sort of goes, oh, we, you know, we've got to find sort of, you know, uh, d- compare diaries. You don't exactly have a job, do you, dear? Do tell us what you do. I'd love to know. Love to know. I'd love to know what the two girls do as well. We'd love to know what Sarah Ferguson does. Oh, wait a minute. She doesn't do anything, does she? Just promotes herself as the, as the Duchess. Because the Americans like that. The British people are far more cynical. The British people are so cynical. Duchess? What, Fat Fergie? Frumpy Fergie? You're joking. Toe-sucking Fergie? Oh, dear. She went out with Paddy McNally for about 17 years and then latched on to Andrew. You know why they actually uh, found each other as, a, as soulmates? They both used to tell jokes about breaking wind. You look at Prince Andrew and then he's had some dodgy friends. He's had some very dodgy friends. So I can't wait to see who turns up for the, uh, for the wedding. But whatever it is, it's a spoiler against Harry and Meghan. Because if you remember a short while ago, they were trying to get them accepted into the list so they can go out and do engagements. How disappointed would you be, OK, and to open this brand new three million pound hall, uh, Eugenie? Oh, God, really? I like to... Because one of them does motivational speaking. What for? What for? I mean, I, I'm, I'm the most cynical person in the world. I'm no big fan of certain members of the royal family. Love the Queen. Love the Duke of Edinburgh. I can tolerate Charles and Camilla. Diana, I thought, was OK. I can just about, you know, tolerate the boys. It doesn't, it doesn't really affect me. I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm going to be alive when one of them uh, gets onto the throne, if indeed we ever get that far. But, uh, oh, that's right, Be- Beatrice does, does after-dinner speaking. I bet, you know, I bet she's got a million and one wizzo jokes. You know, I was out with Mummy the other day, and, and Mummy says, have you got a job? And I went, no, not really, no. And you know, what she does, I can't imagine. They just sort of go, oh, I think I'll do this and do that. And they've, they've been anything less than interesting on everything they've ever done. But, you know, that's it, isn't it? I didn't vote for them. I don't have to like them. doesn't make any difference. I'm paying for it, but they do generate their own income. I don't think the lower end of the family does. But uh, and Andrew's managed to acquire a £13 million chalet in Verbier. So that'll be somewhere for sort of old uh, Sarah Ferguson to, uh, to go to. But he's sort of basically, he sort of basically looked after her. But she's permanently broke. She's never got any money because people see through her. 
you know, she'll sort of advertise different things. And you go, actually, it's just an endorsement, isn't it, dear? That's all it really is. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. So the fact they've announced their engagement, they're going to get married next year. Personally, I couldn't give a stuff. doesn't make any difference to me. We're going to be interested in Harry and Meghan. And I think you'll see the difference in the guests. I reckon that Eugenie and uh, her, her friends will be, you know, models. Models who... What's the matter? Why are you, why are you dressed up as if you're going somewhere? Why, why are you wearing... What are you doing? He's singing. What's he singing this morning? Sorry, the Austra- we've got problems with Australia. Then. What's he singing? He's singing the Arctic Monkeys. What are, what, what's one of their favourite songs? Oh, right. Oh. Is that another one? One of our radio stations play the Arctic Monkeys, do they? I wouldn't know any Arctic Monkeys. Same, I didn't know the, um, the Cranberries. Was it the Cranberries? I didn't know any of their songs until we played them on the programme. And even when we played them, I wasn't uh, any the wiser. But, uh, no. So, Arctic Monkeys. Yee! I better get that. So, if I want to win you over, I better start downloading Arctic Monkeys and stuff like that. So, at least we've got something in common. You know, I can, I can talk about lyrics and, you know, phrasing and stuff like that. Not. Thank you very much indeed. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's, this is where your pass is supposed to be round your neck. That's the whole idea. It's so when you go up to a door, you just sort of... I'm thinking of having it in... Do you know they're starting a new scheme here? Are they? Yeah. You can have it um, implanted into your wrist. That's a lie. Sorry? That's a lie. No, it's going to be like a little chip. Have you not seen it? What, Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a little chip and it will go into your wrist and then we can monitor you wherever you go. That'll curtail your activities, I tell you. <laughs> Don't kick the door. Very bad-tempered this morning, honestly. Once he gets in a bad temper, that's it. Anyway, nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on uh, on LBC. Uh, we've got vigilantes. We've got modern mums. We've got the return of the milkman. I'm determined to do the return of the milkman every day because I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, we've also got the disabled Corrie star who's hit back over leaked pictures because apparently she's decided to spin it as opposed to dirty girl. Why are you making pictures? And, they, and then somebody hacked into them, so put them on the internet. Um... And she said, I think it's great because then it proves that disabled people have sex. What do you think we are, stupid or something? What do you think, that if, if you become disabled, you don't have sex anymore? God, I can't believe I'm talking about sex at 20 past four in the morning. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. Nobody, well, some people might. But um, not around here. Definitely not around here. But, I mean, that, that is really bizarre, isn't it? That is really bizarre that people sort of say to you, oh, and, and she's sort of twisted it round. Like, we're remotely, I couldn't care less. I just think you're a bit sad that you're sort of uh, filming yourself, performing an act on somebody, and then you're sort of trying to twist it round, like we're not going, you know, how can you complain about something like that? If you're stupid enough to film yourself doing an act and then it gets leaked onto the internet, that's your problem. It's got nothing to do with whether you're disabled or not. I mean, you'd be telling me next there is such a thing as disabled porn or something, you know, maximum amputees or something. It just sounds ridiculous. I didn't believe a word of it anyway, but I suppose it keeps your name in the frame, doesn't it? There was a, another one the other day. She was a... I don't know what she was, an actress or something. Anyway, she was transgender, and somebody started trolling her, and it turns out to be the wife of the man she's going out with, who apparently is a billionaire. And she proudly tells everybody, oh, yeah, he pays for me to jet around the world business, and he pays all my bills and everything else. I thought, that's called prostitution, dear. What do you call it? What do you call it? It was all very tragic. Uh, have you seen the video of Neil Diamond and Lulu singing The Boat That I Row? No, but I love the song. The boat that I row won't cross no ocean. The boat that I row... 
I love Neil Diamond. I think I think he's brilliant. Did he write it? Did he write the boat that I? He might have done actually. Have you got it? I don't. I, I wasn't even sure if uh, if he written. I I love Brother Love's Travelling Salvation Show, and um, and I loved Hot August Night One and Hot Hot August Night Two. I thought that was uh, he was brilliant. But he's he's the reason he stopped touring. If he just woken up, is that he's got Parkinson's, and uh, he can't. He did write the boat. That I, oh, good. I'm so pleased. And I think he must have done a show over here. Might have been at the Roundhouse, where he did all the the hits, and Lulu might have uh, toddled along and, and done the boat that I row, which is such a good song. I mean, he also wrote The Monkeys, I'm a Believer. And he wrote tons of stuff, didn't he? And, of course, Sweet Caroline. And everybody sings along to it. And this bit, you know? Touching hands. And it moves on. This must have been an early recording, actually. Reaching out. Because with the audience sing along with all his things. Here we go. And he does this bit. This is, this is the song. Whoop, whoop, whoop. There's something about singing along. The British love singing along. I love singing along. And again, you get two goes at this one. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Poor Neil Diamond. Poor Neil Diamond. But uh, the one good thing is that, A, you have the record. He's not gone yet. Is that you have the recordings, you have the uh, the DVDs. There's quite a number of DVDs, and uh, and I've got them. And I watch them quite a lot. And uh, he sounds as good today. And, of course, what else was he famous for? He danced with Princess Diana, didn't he, at the White House. Do you remember that one? But uh, it is really difficult. Really difficult, I should imagine. He has said he's going to remain active in writing, recording and other projects for a long time, but uh, the Australian promoter is devastated. I could, I could well imagine having to cancel New Zealand and Australia. Thousands of fans will miss seeing him because he was booked in to stadiums, arenas uh, in, I think, uh, Townsville, the Sunshine Coast, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, the Hunter Valley, Adelaide, Perth, Christchurch and Napier. So anybody who paid by credit or debit card will be refunded in full. I think that's so sad. So sad. I don't like to hear of that because he's he's brilliant. Uh, Chris says, uh, what a songwriter. What a performer. And what a legend. Seen him about nine times live. Music will live on forever. Saw him last year in London with his brilliant band. He's going to be 77 tomorrow. Uh, thank you for the music, says Chris. And uh, another one here. It says, uh, Gemma Collins was late for GMB yesterday and missed the prime slot. She only had five minutes. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, that's about as long as you ever want with uh, with Gemma. You don't want anything else from Gemma Collins, do you? She was. Uh, I love the way that um, that uh, Piers Morgan was taking the mickey out of her without her realising, saying, who's this Arge who's been visiting you on and off for six years? They're obviously having relations for six years. She's just available, I think. But uh, he said, uh, she, she said that he always pops round to see Fern McCann. Fern McCann, slightly economical with the truth, McCann. You remember that one, don't you? 84850, steve at take everything in. And um, so you got the sniffles, says Steve. I, to be honest with you, it doesn't actually uh, doesn't affect me at all. It's just you can't stop your nose running, which is awful. Uh, and somebody says, love Jubilee, one of my all-time favourite films. Probably not everybody's cup of tea and starring a very young Adam Ant. And did you see one of our... Milkman being interviewed on Sky News yesterday. Since then, we've been picking up new customers at the rate of one every ten minutes on the internet. I knew if we hung around long enough, we'd come back into fashion. It'll be tank tops and paisley shirts next. 
Yes, I agree with you, actually. And uh, locked in, tight. Thank you. That's from Tim and Waj as well. And, uh, and somebody says, I came to bed at 10pm and haven't been able to sleep. The big advantage of being an insomniac is I never miss the programme. I know that. I mean, some, I mean, I suppose there are slight advantages over being an insomniac. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it for a lot of people. And Joan says, I worked at Wembley Arena, as it was then when Neil Diamond was in concert. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, I'm going to sneeze. Wait for it. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? I get so angry when I get a sniffle. Seriously, because I'm, I'm, I'm fine about it. I don't, I don't sound any different. I'm as perky as I ever was. It's just that you can't stop your nose dripping, which is sort of, it's, it's a bit embarrassing in the middle of a sort of, you know, you're chatting away to somebody. You think, oh, God, I mean, no. And especially if you don't carry a handkerchief. Luckily, I have handkerchiefs. In fact, I buy loads of handkerchiefs. Uh, Ian says, I went to see Neil Diamond three times. Three times. He said, actually, I wanted to put you down as a Neil Diamond person. But um, most recently, I saw him in PHX last August. What's PHX? Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, right, of course. Duh. Uh, Metallica were playing the same night, but I went to Neil because I thought it may be the last time. So glad I went. He was still great. Yeah. I mean, he, he does a good show because he's one of these people who can reproduce the sound. He can reproduce the sound that you get on the records. There are very few people who can do that. Very few people. But I thought I thought he was brilliant. And I still like him, actually. Uh, Natalie says, fantastic in The Jazz Singer. God, I thought that was a disaster. The Jazz Singer was terrible. It did have Laurence Olivier in it, though, didn't it, really? And um, Manuel says, in the clip you played, Randy Andy's stuttering quite a bit. Could he be lost for words? No, he's getting old now. He's getting old. You suddenly realise that he's not the, the youthful person. And, uh, and st- so he refers to Fergie as the Duchess, as opposed to the ex-wife, which I think is better. Uh, the Royal Eye respects as Alan is Peter Phillips. He's not one to court the media and to think he was the Queen's first grandchild. Well, some of them, they just don't, they don't seem to attract the media attention. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, great to hear that the, uh, the great British milkman Steve are making a comeback. My friend Steve Reynolds is, like our Kevin, one of these great characters, listens to you on his round. Nicer person you couldn't meet, which may be a common trait of the Daily Milky. Yeah, I mean, because why not enjoy it? You're your own boss. You've got the, the sound of the bottles rattling in the crates. I love stuff like that. It's, you know, the shoulder saga continues. I went for an MRI and just couldn't do it. Being a big guy and quite claustrophobic, every time I went into the tunnel, panic kicked in and I had to come out again. I don't know, honestly. All I want is something to stop my nose dripping. I'm just going to get one of those Sinex sprays today, just to sort of make sure it all works properly. Anyway, nice to be company. Uh, Welcome to Tuesday, the 23rd of January. Steve Allen's early breakfast. You know how much Ed Sheeran's tour is worth? Every night he performs... He gets £460,000. The tour's worth £88 million. So when you see Peter Kay, and they said his tour was worth about £80 million, you suddenly realise there's huge money out there. Uh, Steph's furious. She's voted off ice dancing. Because you can't dance, dear. That's why you're voted off. Grow up. Get over yourself. Uh, also, top of the, uh, the customer satisfaction league is Amazon. Is Amazon. So there you go. Uh, plus, uh, what was this one here? Oh, Prince William, apparently, according to Dermot O'Dreary, the man with the biggest personality not in the world, he wanted a Dermot O'Dreary hug. Dear. Slightly disturbing, isn't it? Uh, heavy rainfall bringing floods and landslides. What a stunt. Yes, that's uh, Petra Stunt's ex-husband, the buffoon with no insurance and not enough CCTV cameras. 
Also, the book which has got everybody talking and diabetics have an alternative to a small prick. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I knew you'd know them. He came back in again. He left his headphones, poor soul, honestly. He apparently cannot sit on the bus without his headphones on. Uh, You've heard all about it. Now, nearly your time to get your tickets. LBC and its sister stations from Global bring you the Global Awards. It's on Thursday, March the 1st, at London's Hammersmith Apollo. We'll be celebrating the biggest stars from the world of music, news and entertainment. An incredible night. Live performances from, among others, Sam Smith and Andrea Bocelli. The Global Awards are coming on March the 1st. Tickets on sale tomorrow morning from 9 o'clock at lbc.co.uk. More of your texts and emails. Over here in the East End, says Richard, we call the wife the Duchess. My old Dutch. Yes. Just, they've gone all, I think, do you think Prince Andrew's gone all cockney? As we were saying to the Duchess the other day, Randy Andy, who's been around the world a few times, you know, I said, yeah, I said to the old gov, the Queen... It's so funny, isn't it? He's living in a cloud cuckoo. Land. He's never had a proper job in his life. He never actually does anything. He just sort of pronounces. And then you've had two useless daughters as well. Uh, the best I've seen, says Michael, is Liza Minnelli at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, also, I went back to Milkman Delivery, and it's great. Yeah, I think it is. It's personal, isn't it? It's very personal. Uh, Kim says, saw, uh, um, um, you know, uh, Neil Diamond at the O2 four or five years ago. Fantastic. Uh, sad he's not well. He's been called the Jewish Elvis. Has he? I've never heard him called that in all my years in the business. I've never heard him called that. I think you've just made that up, the Jewish Elvis, honestly. How can you have the Jewish Elvis? It's no diamond. Uh, I've had my milkman, says Mo, since 1986. He delivers milk in glass bottles, eggs, orange juice, potatoes and cream at 3am. He'll help if you need furniture moved. Good God. And he makes so much noise on the door when he collects his money, so on dark evenings you know who's at the door and needn't worry about opening it. Good grief, honestly. Collects money as well. Three in the morning. Little Julie says, if you have our Kevin the Milkman in for conversation, it needs to be an hour at least, as you both like a chat. No doubt you'll snap. Uh, You'll swap fashion tips too. Kevin with his shorts and you with your Tommy Bahamas shirts. It is true, actually. I quite like the idea of it. It's funny thing. I went into one of our sister stations the other day, just around the corner. And one of the boys in there, I called him a boy because they're so young. And he said, ah, he said, you should have T-shirts made with the man who tells stories on the front of it. And I said, I can't wear T-shirts. I'm way too old for T-shirts. I look Because a lot of young people now wear T-shirts and then a shirt over the top. It's called trendy and fashion and I can't do it. So he said, you should have it there as the man who tells stories. Because I tell stories in the morning. Not all the time. We do have a number of uh, stories. I, was, I, I found a couple more, actually. A friend of mine reminded me of a couple of stories that the next time we do a live show, I can, uh, I can, I can put into the programme, apart from the weeing one, which seems to always go down particularly well, as they say. <laughs> I quite like it. Uh, so, in the papers this morning, uh, it's uh, old uh, Princess Eugenie and Jack Brooksbank. They're going to marry this autumn... Um, in uh, St George's Chapel, the venue chosen by Harry for his big day. I know they're talking about that. Everybody's got married there. Everybody's got married there. Charles had his vows renewed. They make it sound like Prince Harry's gone, um, how about Windsor? <laughs> like he, he knows about things like that. They've been together for seven years, and apparently they were on holiday. Big surprise there, because I don't think she ever works. And, uh, and a volcano. It was in the, in the site, and she, apparently she burst into tears. She probably thought he wasn't even going to ask, because based on her sister's... Um, 
You know, she went out with Dave Clark for donkey's years, then it all finished. But there again, she's the one who looks like she's caught in the headlights, doesn't she? And they always, both of them, the worst-dressed members of the royal family, these ridiculous hats they wear. Dave Clark, you remember. You remember Dave Clark? He was glad all over. And uh, and I'm feeling glad all over. uh, He was working for Branson. I think he still works for Branson. They were trying to get um, Beatrice up in the first moonshot thing. I was also trying to get her up in the first moonshot thing and leave her up there. Forever. They, don't just, they don't serve any useful purpose. They just sort of stand there looking a bit vacant, which is a bit worrying. I wonder if there is rivalry between the kids in the royal family. Do you think William's going, listen, I'm head honcho. Don't mess with me. I'm going to be the next king after Dad goes and Granny will have gone by that time. Of course, the Duke of Edinburgh will still be clinging on. He'll be the one pushed around a bath chair. But at the moment, no sign of that at all. I think they're, I think they're brilliant. That side of the family. The Queen just does it. She's always said it, it's a job you do for the rest of your life. So whether or not Charles actually makes it to it and whether William makes it to it, I don't know. At least you'll never get uh, Harry on the throne. That will not be happening. There's enough children to keep that one uh, well away. Uh, also, the hero, Dan Buster, is in the papers today, who attacked Hitler's lair, dies at the age of 95. 95, what a great innings. Um, also, Grandfather's Ashes set sail on an 11,000-mile voyage home... And fury as the school pigs face the chop. Oh, dear. They're going to get rid of them, which is not so good. Um, And um, kids' appy hour apps. They reckon 60 minutes is the best screen time for teens. That's what they do. Uh, It's the disabled Corrie star hitting back over the leaked pictures. We don't have them taken, dear. Keep your mouth shut. Nobody's interested. Nobody gives a toss. Okay, you want to take nude pictures of yourself and doing stuff. That's your problem, isn't it? Don't start droning on about it, going, oh, I'm just proving now that disabled people have sex. I think we kind of work that out for ourselves. Why are they so patronising these people? Why do, why do we assume that if you're disabled, you're not having sex? You know, I just don't, don't quite get where they get some of these. They must sit down with their agents and try and work something out so they can, they can turn a negative into a positive. But I just don't see it at all. Bad news for toilet roll lovers. Very bad news. Plush loo roll, velvet have found a cunning way to boost its bottom line by sneakily cutting its three layers of paper to two. Uh, the old one used to say three-ply, now it says two-ply. It's not very good, is it? Apparently the makers have quietly dropped their boast of the past seven years. Uh, instead, the packaging now just says comfort. But the price charged for the thinner two-ply is still one eighty-five for four rolls, the same as before. It's like, I won't use Marks and Spencers. It's thin, weedy, cheap paper. Cheap-looking printing on it. There's nothing classy about it at all. I'm very disappointed. But um, uh, originally called Triple Velvet accounts for a pound in every £10 spent on loo paper. Oh, right. So there you go. Now, I didn't even know that. Did you know that? Now they've actually told you about it. More on uh, Fergie's girl engaged to a very posh waiter. (coughs) Till deathers do party. That's all they do. They just go out partying. And uh, Sarah Ferguson, who's... uh, I think she still thinks she's about mid-twenties, but she's not really. But uh, some of the celebrities that'll be going will be those sort of models and things that the girls like to hang around with. And... um, It'll be very interesting, actually. Very interesting to see who turns up. Will it be, you know, Sienna Miller, Cara Delevingne, Poppy James and, and people like that? We don't know. We don't know. Either, I mean, I don't care. 
Seriously, it doesn't make any difference to me. I mean, to be honest with you, you get married in a registry office. They don't need to make a big song and dance about it. They're not important members of the royal family. Andrew, as I say, who's sl- somebody said, is he all right? He seems to be slowing down in his speech. Well, he's getting on a bit now, isn't he? He's getting on. And so Jack got down on one knee uh, the other day and they, she's taken him out to loads of places. So, again, we're sort of, we're sort of seeing different people from different backgrounds. Although apparently he's, he's quite well healed. But um, he's, he's an ambassador for something. And they say it'll probably be in the, in the autumn. Andrew is 57. He says, I'm completely overjoyed for them and wish them every happiness. Well, I think so too. I mean, yes, it'd be nice if we actually see them working for a living. But even Harry's scaled back and everything. He doesn't seem to be doing anything at all now. Meghan Markle's going off to something. Um, I think William and Kate, she's going off to do something today. So that's, uh, that's good news, isn't it? Because we like to see these people do something for their money. I think the Queen, though, actually pays for Andrew. I'm certain she gives him money. But he bought this £13 million chalet in Verbier, you know, because he sort of... Um, remember the, and he milks it for all it, it's worth. He really does. So uh, that's why. Nobody knows what he does. We're all intrigued. And the Queen is so good, she never says anything against Andrew, whereas, in fact, you know, she could do on loads of occasions, but she doesn't. Coronation Street's Malcolm Hebden is taking an extended break. The 78-year-old actor's been a familiar face. But uh, he's, he's had a bit of a corry wobble. And so he's taking a little bit of a break. So we wish him uh, well. Ali Ross talking about... Um, uh, I've had that sinking feeling, but wave floats my boat. I don't know what wave is, actually. It's called the wave. Although drowning, not waving, might have been a, a better shout. And uh, I think it's Rylan uh, who's doing it. Desperately trying to prove that he's not just the one-trick pony that people believe he is. So, uh, is it in safe hands? They say it's funny, charming, amateurish. Yeah, well, that would be Ryland. That would be Ryland. And uh, the MASH report is back for a second run, which is interesting. So, uh, people will be watching that one as well. And uh, what else? I like reading some of the little, the little bits that he throws in. Uh, random irritations, Channel 4 and the BBC, both hanging on Pro- Professor Green's every word because he's probably the only white working-class man they know. Yeah, I mean, I just find him dreary. When he turned up on through the keyhole, I kind of like threw the through the um, uh, the prayer book in the air. Uh, also, tipping point, you do get some dumb people on there. I mean, do they have a vetting system? Obviously not. Uh, and great sporting insights, Frank Lampard. Burnley have made a lot of rare lapses of late. Unbelievable, isn't it? He's such a winner, such a winner. And they had somebody the other day who was on the t- Chloe Maidley's little boyfriend, who went on Loose Women and hardly said a word. I thought, as I say, James Haskell. Apparently, he's a he's a rugby player. He's obviously he's obviously trying to make a name for himself, but he didn't demonstrate any personality to me at all. Very disappointed. Very disappointed. Uh, great television lies and delusions. Philip Schofield. You don't want to miss a moment of Dancing on Ice. BBC's continuity announcer. Nish Kumar's back with the hilarious MASH report. <laughs> Good morning, Britain. Piers Morgan to Susanna Reid. I'm not on any medication. What would I need to be on medication for? <laughs> He's written down here obesity, type 2 diabetes, narcissistic personality disorder, obsessive compulsive behaviour, coronary artery disease, <laughs> dysfunctional. Everything, the list goes on and on and on. It's very funny. The trouble is, they get on so well together. That's why the programme works. I love the way that people go, oh, they really hate each other. Of course they don't. Of course they don't. If she earned as much money as, as he does, you know, then maybe it would be slightly different. But no, they get on absolutely fantastically. They really do. Uh, what else do we have here? 
Oh, it's just dancing on ice. It's so boring, though. It really is just dull. I'm just sort of thinking to myself, I couldn't care less what happens to The ice could open up and they could all disappear into a giant hole in the middle and uh, it wouldn't make any... Oh, dear. A bitter. A pint of bitter has gone up in price. 12p. Luckily, I don't drink bitter. So I'm quite, uh, I'm quite happy about that. That was the old uh, joke, wasn't it? Sarah Ferguson going to the doctor's. And, uh, and the doctor says, you must never get bitter. And Sarah said, well, I don't. Gin... Whiskey, vodka, Dubonnet, but never bitter. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Well, they caught some bloke driving on the motorway, 155 miles an hour. I mean, I think my, my, my car will do that quite easily, but um, uh, this bloke was tailed by a motorway cop. He's been banned uh, from, uh, from the road for nine months. Dash cam footage showed John Hornby, 62, didn't seem to spot the unmarked police car with its flashing lights as he hurtled along the M3 near Basingstoke. Well, there you go. We've got Basingstoke back on the map. He comes from Buckley. He admitted speeding and was sentenced in his absence by Aldershot magistrate. Fined 325 quid. After PC Jamie Foster said, We see a lot in this job, but even I was shocked to see someone driving at such speeds. Well, he's an idiot, isn't he? And he wasn't even there in court. Nine months, that's all he got, was it? I'd have said lifetime. Lifetime, you're seen driving again, mate. Hanging. You know, <laughs> that's the only way for it. Because I don't know what you have to do now to, uh, to actually get sort of banged up in prison. So he just gets a nine-month ban. Although two bungling burglars who shot dead a millionaire got 34-year life terms yesterday. The two planks uh, are murderers Jason Backus and Kevin Downton. They blasted Guy Hedges in his bedroom. They fired in panic when his husband set off an alarm, but fleeing backers forgot part of the £125,000 gem haul and went back. They nailed them from two cigarette butts in the street together with his DNA, and all they've actually got is 34-year life terms. I'd have said 100 years. In other words, even with time out, you're going to be in there until you die, which is going to be good. Uh, Guy's husband, Simon Pierre... Hedger Cooper, a little bit pretentious, told Winchester Crown Court, what I saw, heard, fell and continue to feel will haunt me until my dying days. And he said, stupidly hitting the alarm, I thought was the best thing. Masked pair, Burkus, 40, and Downton, 42, raided the pad in St Ives in Dorset last April while the couple were in bed. The pair demanded codes to a safe. Downton fired at Guy's chest when the alarm set off lights. They stole a landline and mobile, and uh, and that was it. I mean, it's just, the alleged getaway driver and his wife were cleared. I mean, it's just to put... And all they get is 34 years for taking somebody's life. I'm sorry, I'll be calling for a bit more than that. I'm, I'm hanging, and, uh, hanging and flogging brigade. I'm one of these people, I think. You know, just imagine if that was your mother or father. I don't think I'd be showing forgiveness at all. I think I'd be uh, completely the opposite end of the schedule. Uh, Matt says... Oh, no, sorry, it's not Matt. It says, somebody says, when I pay my milkman, I put a peg on a bottle, which lets him know that the money's under the doormat. We're all going to be looking out for pegs now, aren't we, on a bottle? Why don't you just sort of leave it under the doormat and sort of leave it there? Uh, Grace says, good for your milkman. Congratulate him. I'm trying to find a milkman myself. I want to reduce the use of plastic. I was told they don't recycle the little plastic bags. Uh, probably not, I don't think. It's very difficult to recycle plastic. Very difficult. David says, uh, I saw the jazz singer with a, my late mum when it was first released in 1980, and we both thought it was great. Gave us our very favourite song, Love on the Rocks. She, I didn't like Love on the Rocks. Love on the Rocks, ain't no surprise. I like Crackling Rosie. 
I am, I said. Great favourites. Actually, I'm, I'm, there's not really much. Listen to Hot August Night. Because that's got. To, I wanted to use that as an opener for one of my shows. And I wanted it because if you hear it, Hot August Night, it's got drums which come in. Boom, boom, boom. And it's lovely. And I wanted to have different pools of light with drummers at the Fairfield Halls in Croydon. That was my idea. It never came to that because you'd have to bring people in drumming and everything. And that's what I wanted, though. I thought that could be really good and do a do a proper, you know, a proper intro to a show. I think we used um, uh, I can't remember which which piece of music we use now, but we we use quite a number of pieces of music, including stuff from uh, from Star Wars. I think we had all sorts of bits of uh, bits of pieces which worked really well, really really well. But I always wanted the uh, the music from Hot August Night. Uh, what have we got here? This is um, the Bizarre column. It's called the Press Release column because that's all it is. They're just copying bits out of press releases. Stephanie Waring and Sylvain Longchamp-Bottom uh, have slammed Dancing on Ice top judge Jane Torville and Christopher Dean for breaking the rules. Oh, get over yourselves. Pro skater Sylvain Longchamp-Bottom claims that if a celebrity stumbles during the skate-off, they must immediately get the boot. But the former Olympic champs chose to save singer Lamar from elimination on Sunday, despite his near fall, and act Steph and Sylvan Longchamp bottom. Who cares? Nobody knows who she is. Stephanie Ware, anybody? We did ask, but nobody had discovered her at all the other day. And, um, you know, and then so, you know, they, they sort of complained bitterly about it. You think, listen, you did it for money, all right? Stop moaning. If you didn't do it for money, give the money back and keep your big mouth shut. Nobody's interested. You've had your five minutes of fame. You blew it. End of story. That's what happens. You know, it's kind of tough, dear, but that's called the world of show business. It is tough, and only the strong survive, as Billy Ocean sang, and I'm with him 190% on that one. Uh, The Mirror, ten months. It is ten months. You'll have to count them, but I promise you it's ten months. After tough new laws brought in, a driver is caught driving on the A1 with both hands on his mobile. He's clearly identified. He's quite clearly a complete and utter idiot. He's obviously a simpleton with not a brain cell in his entire body. But he's not the only one. They've got a woman here chatting, driving at Felton uh, at 10.42, holding the phone up to her mouth and talking. What are you, stupid woman? Are you stupid? I want you to have an accident. I want you to have an accident. In Liverpool, they found people. In Bournemouth, everybody from 8.14 in the morning. You know, there's a former officer, Paul Fort, is this bloke here. And he's an ex-cop. He's obviously... Oh, thank God he's an ex-cop, because he's obviously a bit thick. Because he was caught at 8.14 in the morning, pulled over. He says, you know you shouldn't be doing it. The lesson here is put it away and don't use it. I've now got six points and a £200 fine. You're a plank, mate. You're a complete and utter plank. That's ridiculous. And you're an ex-copper. Can't you afford hands-free diddums? None of these people can afford hands-free. At 104, you know, somebody at the wheel... Quite, quite clearly visible. It's a, a lot of people wearing um, high-vis jackets. You get a lot of high-vis jackets now, don't they? A lot of crooks are wearing high-vis jackets. But it's this woman. She's clearly identifiable. Why don't they just sort of find out who she is? Somebody will write in and go, and I can tell you who that is. And at 10.42, she's chatting while driving at Feltham. And then a little bit later, on the same road, you know, a handheld device cannot be used in vehicles, even if stopped at lights. Perhaps they should bring in some piece of technology that means that because I've in my car I've got the the phone is paired into the system in the car and so if my phone rings it dips the radio on the dash comes up the name 
and the number, and I either choose to answer it or I cancel it. You know, I push it somewhere in the car, and I've got no idea where it is. There's a microphone. I can hear it perfectly. Absolutely perfect. They can hear me perfectly. Even even the producer's mini can do the same thing. And yet these people are sitting there on their phone. But the ex-cop, you must be the dimmest person going. You know you're not supposed to hold it, touch it. If it goes off, that's your problem. But at least buy it. You could buy a hands-free so cheaply, can't you? I, would, I wouldn't mind. About 35 quid will get you hands-free, which you can clip on to the, the visor. And it's just Bluetoothed. Mine's built into the car. And it's yours built into the car as well. Yeah, see, the producers is built into the car. And yet you've got some ex-copper called Paul Fort. Oh, I wonder why you're an ex-copper. Is it because you're stupid? God, we don't want people like you going out there telling us what to do, thank you. But the woman, she's holding the phone up to her face. She's driving with one hand. They're on speed dial, apparently. This is a year on. You know, what they should do... I mean, come on, change it now. Make it six penalty points, which is great, and a £1,000 fine. OK, you don't have £1,000, we take the car, OK, until you've got the £1,000. I'm not, why are you messing around with 200 quid? People laugh in the face of 200 quid. They don't care less. What they sometimes do is they, they still carry on driving. Even if they've been banned, they drive. We know that for a fact, don't we? Really awful, really awful. So make it 1,000 quid or something or go round or do something to them. Make, just make sure that they're not driving for, for, for quite a long, long time. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. Oh, a lot of people talk about Neil Diamond. If you've just woken up, Neil Diamond has, uh, has retired with immediate effect from performing because he's got Parkinson's. And he said it, it, it's not going to stop him writing, uh, but he's cancelled the next leg of his tour because he, he's another one of these people who does not stop touring. So he's cancelled Australia and New Zealand. Promoter gutted. Absolute gutted, I should imagine. And uh, and all you've now got is memories of maybe the last time you saw him. Or you can go and buy a DVD, of which there are many, of Neil Diamond in concert. Worth, definitely worth getting. I think even Hot August Night is available on a DVD. And uh, he's been touring for so many years. He's, he's just lovely. Just lovely. I'm led to believe he's a bit of a taskmaster when he works. But there again, if you're looking for, you know, the sound and you want the right sound. It's like Simon and Garfunkel. You know, one of them, Art Garfunkel, apologised. I am so sorry it took us so long to get back. Because they argued all the time. They argued constantly. But uh, made them as, as good as they ever can be. And so I'm glad I've got the, I think it's Madison Square Garden or something like that. Whatever it is, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Coming up shortly, news at five o'clock this morning. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of January. Work keeps your brain active. I promise you. Uh, the no-home SAS hero hits out. It's outrageous, isn't it? That somebody who was holding up the Iranian embassy inside, one of the one of the people who perpetrated the crime, is living in a council house, whereas the person who was trying to get him out the other side, the SES, has got nothing. Living on the street. Shame on the council. Shame on them. Who's up for the NTAs? Who gives us stuff? To be honest with you, it's the National Television Awards. It's just, oh, should we do the National... Oh, let's do the Television Awards. And so it'll be Anton Deck. It'll be, you know, the usual people. You know, they'll give somebody an award for something. Holly and Phil for all the shows that they're doing. Um, uh, Steph's Fury voted off dancing and the life support baby row. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. Tuesday, 23rd of January, £71 million tonight on the, uh, on the you can't win anything, it's your own fault, uh, lottery, Euro million. 70, 71 million. 71 million. What would I do first? What would I do first? Don't know. 
buy a house in London and then sort of live part the time in London, then the weekend go home to Twickenham. I quite fancy that idea. And then you go, how long does it take you to get home? Two minutes. You know, I'd like to live. I've ha- I had a fantasy the other day. I'm sharing it with you because I'm that sort of person. And the house I want to buy, it's not for sale, but it's, uh, it's a famous house and it's off Trafalgar Square. So you go down to Trafalgar Square, just when you hit uh, the Whitehall bit, opposite the Whitehall Theatre, there is a little road on the left-hand side. If you've never been there, do yourself a favour and go. You go into this courtyard and, A, there's a lot of CCTV cameras in there. I suspect it's some secret government building on the left-hand side uh, with sort of tunnels and everything else. But the main house was built in the 1700s. And it was built for somebody who wanted to sort of toady up to the king and get into the Palace of Whitehall. And so he built this house. Unfortunately, it didn't work for him. But the house still stands there. It's still there. Uh, it's not lived in, as far as I know. And I, I want to buy it. If I, if I win £71 million on the lottery, I'd quite like to buy it. Although I've seen another one that I like as well. And I thought, that, that, would, be, that would be within walking distance of here, but I'd still get the car. I wouldn't bother the walking bit. Who wants to do walking? What's the point of that? I know God gave us legs and we're supposed to be fit, but the house is beautiful. And, and because it's... I can't even remember the name of the blasted court, but it's literally just off Trafalgar... That's right, you go up... Is that the road you're going up? Yeah. What's it called? Craig's Court. Can you go up there? Can you... Oh, you can't go up there. We have it on Google Earth. Craig's Court. There's a, t- type in Craig's... There is this one house... In, well, there's a couple of houses in there. Excuse me. And it's... Oh, we're, we're, we're seeing if we're being sneaky and going out the back of the pub. But, but we can't. We haven't, uh, we haven't worked that out. But it, the house is amazing. The house is amazing. Oh, there's... Is that a bit... Of, no, that's... No, no. Oh, no, the pictures are all in the pub. Very annoying. Try, can, try Type in Craig's Court house and see what it brings up. It's a curious cul-de-sac, they say. Can you see a bit of the house there? There's a little bit of the house. And, and it says here, this is overlooked by thousands of tourists who are unaware of this site's quirky history. Now, the reason that I want you to go and see it is because... Little is known about the origins, other than it was laid out in the 1690s by Joseph Craig, who was a vestryman in St Martin's. When inaugurated, Craig's Court lay at the northern tip of the Palace of Whitehall, a vast royal residence which ran all the way down. I mean, absolutely enormous, which ran from Trafalgar Square all the way down to Parliament Square. And in fact, it's been expanding ever since Henry VIII pinched it from Cardinal Wolsey, in the 16th century. Now, the palace was destroyed by fire in 1698, and the only thing that's available for you to see is the banqueting house, and that's where Charles I was taken out of one of the windows to be beheaded in front of a crowd of thousands and thousands of people. However, and here is this house, this is this house, it's called Harrington House. It was completed in 1702. I want it. I really want it. Unfortunately, Whitehall Palace was never reconstructed. The royals migrated westward, depriving Stanhope of the opportunity to call the monarch his neighbour. Today, today, oh, I was right, actually, the 18th century building houses a telephone exchange and allegedly harbours an entrance shaft to a large, top-secret government bunker dubbed Q Whitehall Although you didn't hear that from me. Despite its size, Craig's Court can be thanked for blessing London with a major innovation. Because in the mid-18th century, the then Speaker of the House, who was Arthur Onslow, decided to pop by Harrington House 
for a visit. In those days, London streets were not paved, leaving many of these thoroughfares boggy, treacherous. I mean, it was just filthy. Craig's Court was no exception. And the sodden road, coupled with the dead end's narrowness, resulted in Onslow's coach becoming lodged. So tight was the squeeze that a hole had to be cut in the coach's roof so the flustered and infuriated speaker could get out. When he returned to Parliament, Arthur Onslow pushed through a bill which required London householders to ensure curbstones were laid outside the door, thus giving birth to pavements. And these, this is where the first one was. So Craig's Court was also home to Theresia Constantina Phillips, a woman who caused great scandal when she published shocking accounts uh, detailing her numerous affairs. It was a bit of a good time girl, actually. And George Romney also set up house here. But the house is still there. The house is still there. And you can go and see it. Literally, if you walk to Trafalgar Square, you see this little, little road, little tiny road. And they used to get carriages through it. Seriously. And you just have a look and it says Craig's Court. Go in and have a look. You know, it's, it's a very, very interesting little cul-de-sac. But it's the amount of cameras that are in it all on one side. So there's obviously got to be something a bit secret going on there. But I've always fancied, I've always fancied that as a whole. What it would cost... Somebody says here, it is indeed true that the building houses one of the access points to Kew Whitehall. I was one of the GPO technicians, happy days before telecom, who did the maintenance on the lifts there and the other access points. He said, uh, I'm still bound by the official secrets act, so shouldn't say any more, but more info in the public domain can be found by searching the Internet. <gasps> wow. I mean, it's, it's a really interesting house and I thought I want to go inside it. I don't know who owns it. I'm assuming it must be maybe government or something like that. But I would love to go inside it just to see, because I've got a, in my mind, in this fantasy that I've had, you know, there is a staircase going up there, which still dates from the 1700s. Lots of empty rooms, lots of... Ah, here we go. The entrance hall is awesome. Black and white tiles and sweeping staircases. Oh, wow. I want to go there. I want to go there. I went to a place years and years ago. Uh, in a park, Cranford Park, just up the road from me. Uh, well, I say just up the road. It's, you know, in my car, it is just up the road and anybody else is. About a week's travel. And you go up to Cranford Park. <coughs> Excuse me, a friend of mine got married in it. And in the park, it's interesting because you look at the park and you think, I wonder what was here. And the answer is, years and years ago, there was a big house. London was full of mansions all over the place. And uh, many of them have vanished. This one's vanished. It's gone. But the one thing that remains? Tunnels. Tunnels underneath it, underneath the house. They're still there, they still exist, and they're masterminded, overseen by, I think, Hounslow Council. And the only reason you know they're there is because you will see, set into the, uh, the ground, access hatches. They're, they're surrounded by fences, and there's about two or three of them, I think. And I said to somebody once, what are they for? And somebody said, that's the tunnels that were underneath the house. I said, what, they're still there? And they said, yeah, the tunnels are still there under what would have been the house standing there. That's in Cranford Park. Looked after by Hounslow Council. And strange enough, I mentioned it years and years ago. And somebody from Hounslow Council phoned me and said, um, would you like to go down there? I can take you down into the tunnels. I went, whoa! I never did it. I never did. We never actually got round to it. But it's always one of those things that I thought that would be that would be really lovely. A friend of mine says, I found you a five bedroom property in St. Catherine's Docks. Three and a half thousand pounds. Uh, sorry, three and a half million. Three and a half million pounds. But mind you, if you win 77 million tonight, three and a half 
Millions, a bit of a bagatelle, isn't it, really? Or a houseboat. No. I've seen some really, really nice houseboats. Um, I'm not, not good with sort of tidal things. I don't want to go sort of up and down with the water and stuff like that. But I quite fancy this five-bedroom property. It's just the trouble is I mean, you're going to be surrounded by loads of other people. I want something that's a bit unique. So if I won 71 million, I would be looking at at some of these uh, houses. This one's quite... Some of these warehouse... Oh, that's quite nice, actually. The houseboat is very nice for three and a half million. Five bedrooms, three receptions. It's a steel barge. I quite fancy. I think that's so, so unusual as to have. And it's 5,000 square feet. Uh, the current owner has recently laid wool carpet. Lucky old wool carpet, I say. And, um, and that sort of... See, I I'm not a big fan of wool carpet, but there you go. And uh, it, it's, it's lovely. It's moored. And it's very interesting. You've got shared... In, in five large double bedrooms, each with direct or shared ensuite facilities. It's got a new boiler... And LED lighting. Looks lovely, doesn't it? Let's have a look inside. Oh, it's big inside. Big inside. You see, some ships you go on, and this one looks really nice for only three and a half million. But as I say, three and a half million, you might as well whistle in the wind as far as I'm concerned. But if you've won 77 million, it does look lovely, actually. And it's so unusual. So unusual. You have a place, but I don't know. How far is St Catherine's Dock from here? Is it? Is it within... Next to London Bridge. Oh, Tower Bridge. Oh, that's OK. That's sort of doable. Oh, yes, I know where it is, actually, now. I've been to St Catherine's Dock. Some of it looks lovely. I think it's worth the money. I think it's worth the money. I like it when friends of mine look out. Oh, it's got a sauna as well. How bizarre. On a boat. And an outdoor decking area where you could sort of sit down and have your evening meal and look at look at the sunsets over London. Lovely. Three and a half million quid. There you go. That's a little place for me. Or failing that, Harrington House. If anybody from the council wants to sell it to me, if I had that, I don't, I mean, I, I want you to know I don't have the money yet. I'm living a fantasy, but a fantasy which everybody lives. Every time the lottery comes round and they go, there's this much money, you immediately go into fantasy mode. You immediately start thinking, if, if, if I had that much money, what would I buy? Would I buy a beautiful place in my other place is a mansion in London? I've looked at places in Regent's Park, only on websites. I don't actually take it as far as that, but I did see... And I can't tell you who it is because it's a well-known person who decided to go abroad on holiday. But they gave themselves the title Doctor. They said it's amazing how many upgrades you get if you call yourself Doctor. So he called himself Doctor. Oh, I've itemised it down, so it's a man. Uh, he called himself Doctor. He got upgrades on everything. On the flight, in the hotel, they gave him upgrades. Everybody treated him differently if they think you're a doctor. But, of course, if you go to Austria, everybody's a doctor. Everybody, you see all the, all the door things. They go, Dr. Augustus Wilhelm, blah, blah, blah. But, and, but they're all different doctors, not just of medicine. Doctors of music, doctors of woodwork. It's, it, it's quite interesting to find out. But, uh, so going back to the houseboat, I'd rather have Harrington House. Imagine, and saying to somebody, listen, just pop round. And they go, where are you? You go, Trafalgar Square. But I have a sneaking feeling at night time, a lot of people would walk into that square and use it as a public toilet. So I would have to get electrified gates. The producer is a laird, a laird in Scottish law, because he owns a square foot of land somewhere in the Highlands or the Trossachs, or somewhere. He's not too sure. Actually, I was offered a short a while ago, well, about a year ago, a couple of years ago, a piece of the moon. They, they were sort of saying, you know, you, you can buy a piece of the moon. But he says, I think, he says, I should be trying the doctor trick and uh, calling myself... Laird on the book. I mean, you could do that. A friend of mine, thought of a friend of mine, 
he um, he put himself down as what did he put himself down as? He just had um, he managed to get a credit card uh, with a title on it, sir. I think he put he's not a sir at all, and he put it on there and he said the service is completely different, completely different. If they think you're you're titled, found another one here. A four-bedroom property for sale, Cadogan Pier, two and a half thousand. So that's a million less. You see, now you're taking me into the cheaper realms of the market. I want this Harrington house. I want to go in it. I want to see what's in it. Is it really a secret government place? Is anything existing in it from the 1700s? That's what I want to know. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 18 and lord on my credit card since I was about 25, says Roland. Highly recommended. It's amazing, actually. You can obviously do this on your credit card. I suppose, in theory, you could call yourself anything you like. You register it as a business name. So I could call myself Sir Stephen of Allen or something and have that registered as a business name. So anybody said, oh, what you said, excuse me, there's the Grand Emperor, says the producer. Grand Emperor of all he surveys. Laird of Twickenham. <laughs> Bonnie Prince Allen. It's not going to happen, is it, really? But uh, it's a thought. I got four numbers on the Euro lottery, says Marilyn. Only got £9.60. pence. I was so disappointed I gave the £9 for a homeless man. Blimey, that's a bit drastic, isn't it, really? And, uh, Steve, you've been playing the lottery for 23 years. What are the odds of you winning tonight? Nothing. Oh, I should imagine millions and millions and millions and millions. To it. But it doesn't matter, does it? Because unless you have a belief... In something. If we all didn't have a belief in anything, if I didn't sort of wake up in the morning thinking I was going to be entirely entertaining on the programme, I might as well stay in bed. But you have to have a belief in it. And if you believe that, you know, one day it might be you or one day, you know, you might get halfway there or something like that. I've always I've often fantasised, as you know, about the lottery and about somebody phoning me up and, and, me, and me or me, me phoning them up and saying, I think I've got a winning card. And they go, let me just have a check. They have to go through all the different checks on it. And then they'd say, right, I can get... As we used to run the advert, you'd say, one, two, three, four, six zeros preceded by... Wait a minute, <coughs> sneeze. <coughs> Thank you. Six zeros preceded by the number seven. You're a multimillionaire. You've got seven million. And I just then want to say a very rude word. <laughs> but it won't happen, because I'm too polite, actually. Uh, somebody says, you'll probably find the Duke of Westminster owns that house. I don't think he does. I have a sneaking feeling he doesn't. I, ju- I would just like to have a look in it. We think it's the government. If you go into that little square, if you're a, if you're a taxi driver, you know, and sometimes taxi drivers like to have a little poodle around, or you're, you're walking around that area of London, go and have a look at it and just look and think, I want to see inside. But the one on the left-hand side is more interesting. It is covered in cameras. A bit like walking into an Amazon shop. It's covered. I'm nothing if not topical. It's covered in cameras. And you think, what are they protecting in there? And the answer is, it could be a secret bunker. Could be. Uh, Steve, if I won the Euro Millions, says Mary, I'd buy a lighthouse and possibly a helicopter. So I wouldn't have to drive at four in the morning to do granny daycare. It's never going to happen, so thanks for the entertainment on the M40. But uh, it doesn't matter, though, does it? Isn't it nice to... You know, it's like Christmas, I hate to bring up Christmas when we've just sort of put it to bed to one side, but I always think Christmas is, is the fantasy, isn't it? We sort of put, put the tree up, we put the lights on, and it's, it's for children. But basically, we are the children. We are the people who derive the pleasure. So no matter how many kids you might have at home, might be loads of them or a couple of kids, you know, you're really, you're the one doing it for you. You're not doing it for them at all. You're doing it to bring back the memories for yourself. So that's quite nice. But a, a lighthouse, I've been in a lighthouse, mate. You wouldn't like it. Everything's got to be semicircular. 
semicircular, and you uh, and you sort of look at it. They're doing this program on the television at the moment with Penelope Keith, which is finding the best village in this country, and they've been down to um, uh, villages on the coast. One of them is falling apart. Literally, the the sea is eroding the cliffs, and it's getting. Cl- they've already lost nine homes. And it's getting closer and closer to the lighthouse. And you think, maybe I don't want to live in a lighthouse. Because when they, how they ever built lighthouses in the sea, I've got no idea. You get them in, in, all of a sudden you look at it and the waves crash over this thing. And you think, is it safe? And the answer is, well, it is. But how do they build it in the first place? They must sort of plumb into the seabed and fill it with, with concrete. I like the idea of a helicopter, Mary, but, um, you know, I've heard of accidents in helicopters, so maybe not. According to the British History Online... Harrington House in Craig's Court is in the possession of HM Postmaster General and is used as a telephone exchange. Yeah, I know that bit. I think there's more to it. That house would have been built, Teresa, with cellars. OK, there would be cellars under there. But how far under the ground do they go? If you go down to Pall Mall, Berry Brothers and Rudd have got wine cellars that extend under the palace, over the road. They go that far in. And in Harrington House, there would have to be cellars. They wouldn't have built it without cellars. It was built in the 1700s. They lived on cellars. That's where they kept their wine and kept things cool and everything else. But I think there are secret tunnels which cross over the road to uh, the MOD. That's what I think. Why would there be so many... Why, on a telephone exchange, why would you have so many cameras? Very odd. Very strange. So that's it. Uh, Steve, take the one, says Kate, in St Catherine's Dock. You could get to work in your yacht from Twickenham. <laughs> I like the idea, actually. I think, I think it's great. Don't you think it's absolutely fantastic to have a presenter who's so barking mad that he starts fantasising over winning 71 million? By the time we get to the end of this programme, I'll have spent most of it. Although, as friends of mine will tell you, I have to sort my brother out. I have to give money to my brother. And I was debating whether or not I would wait till I... If I win the 71 million tonight, of course, which I won't. But that's the fantasy. Keeps you going throughout the day. If I, if I did win it... I would wait till I bought a house and furnished it, and then I'd invite my brother up to town with his girlfriend, and and show that and say, "Oh, do you like this house?" And I get, "This is mine. This is what you're going to be inheriting when I finally sort of shuffle off." And and he'd go, "Great!" And I go, "I'm going to give you some money as well. Give him twenty quid. Shut the door. You know, he'd be happy. He'd be very happy." Uh, Steve, back in the mid seventies, says Martin, I went to a private boarding school on Chart Lane, uh, South in Dorking, uh, the top of said road was the remains of Deep Dean House. Under the house, a maze of tunnels used during World War Two. Us lads used to walk around the tunnels. They're still there, as are the triangle tank traps. The house, which is now long gone, is part of the golf course. Check it out. I like checking out places like that. I like anything. There was that lovely house, wasn't there, years ago. It's still in existence, and it's up north somewhere. And the thing that's unusual about it is that the bloke who owned the house... Uh, had a fear of being seen by people. He didn't want to be seen. He wanted to leave the house and come back to the house without being seen by people. So underneath the house were tunnels. Tunnels big enough to get a coach and horses down there. And that's exactly what is still down there now. The tunnels big enough to take a coach and horses so that he could exit the property by going down into the uh, into the underworld, get on his coach and horses and be taken out through the through the tunnel. And he would then emerge at the edge of his property. Tunnels are still there. They've still got big, big gates up, you know, stopping people going in. But it's not, they, they used it during the war, I think, as, as part of um, 
a place where, where the soldiers could be billeted. There's loads of places. Type in secret tunnels. Go into YouTube, type in lost houses. You'll find all sorts of places. Multi-millionaires' properties that are falling apart, where people have been into them, and they've taken photographs and shown you, you know, the big step. People just leave these places because they couldn't afford to have them. Country Life brought out a book on lost mansions in this country. Huge country houses that, you know, used to have two or three hundred staff. People can't afford to run a place like that nowadays. Steve, I agree, says Sharon. Neil Diamond, worthy of the word legend. Saw him live a few times. Outstanding. Loved Shiloh. And I am, I said. And I agree. Hearing thousands singing and swaying along to Sweet Caroline. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And uh, I'm sure I read Diamond, Streisand and Manilow, all born within a few years of each other in Brooklyn. A rich vein of talent. I know, isn't it lovely? The reason we mention Neil Diamond is because he's got Parkinson, so he has cancelled, with immediate effect, his tour of Australia and New Zealand. But, uh, as I say, you can go and buy him. He, he says he's still going to write, you know, as long as he can. He's 76. I think tomorrow is his 77th birthday. So, uh, it's interesting. Uh, Steve, I can't understand why police don't have hands-free on their radios. You see them on the TV programmes driving. Same as the public using mobile phones. Yeah, it's, it's different for them. They, they have it on their shoulder. They just push the button, don't they? So, I, I don't know how that works. This is after we found a policeman, an ex-copper, who's just been done for using his phone in the car. An ex-copper. He said, oh, I'm, you know, silly and all the rest of it. An idiot, a complete idiot. How we ever made it into the police force, God alone knows. And uh, he's got uh, a £200 fine, not big enough, and six penalty points. Because the one thing is, you do not touch your telephone whilst it's in the car. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. To have your company, thank you. Uh, from Martin, he says, The tunnels up north you're referring to a Welbeck house in Worksop. The main tunnel ran down to Worksop train station. This was because he was disfigured and being an MP didn't want to be seen. So his uh, horse-drawn carriage would travel from Welbeck House to Worksop train station. And uh, Roger says, very fascinating. There is a guided tour to Secret London. Absolutely. Um, Diane Burstein does these. She's a blue badge guide in London. We used to use her on LBC. And she does all the, the Jack the Ripper tours and everything else. Whether these take in Harrington House, I've got no idea. It's nice when you when you can do something on the radio and somebody will go, oh, that sounds... I'll look it up. So you start finding out bits on the internet, little bits and pieces. Uh, Peter says, ten years ago I matched five numbers on the lottery. The missing number was 31. I did 13. I won £2,300. One ticket won £6 million. It's not the same, is it, really? It's not the same. It's like being cheated. You think, oh, I really wanted to, to win that money. But then you have to work on the assumption that if it comes your way, it's probably an act of God. And you have to wait. On the subject of the uh, of the royals, mustn't it be great when somebody says, what do you do? You know, to the answer, taking some time off. When they ask them, what do you say? From taking time off. Yes, I mean, that that is a big problem. This is after it's been announced, uh, announced that Eugenie, I mean, for God's sake, how more pretentious does it have to become? When we had Prince Andrew, sorry, Eugenie, it's spelled Eugenie, dear. You know, even I can see what it's spelt like. And uh, I'm not going to pander to things like that. Anyway, she's getting married to a bloke who's a barman, who is a manager at Mahiki or is the manager at Mahiki. Whatever it is, it's, I'm sure, you know, she'll spend most of the rest of her days doing absolutely diddly squat. Uh, Lenin Bushy says, I've always had a, a milkman for the last 35 years. My milkman, Les, has delivered my early morning pinter at two in the morning. In the winter, I hear the clinking of his bottles and I see his torch. As he navigates his way up the path, we're growing old together. It's unusual, really. I've had I've had a number of uh, milkmen in my time because every so often they start doing it, and then the dairy closes or milkmen move on. 
Because they, they, they have problems trying to get the money out of people. Because it's all done on a bit of a trust thing, isn't it? If we all paid our bills every time, it, it would be absolutely fantastic. But we tend not to. We tend to sort of play, you know, oh, I'll, I'll pay that very, very shortly. But you've just got to remember that uh, other people leave, you know, that sort of money out. for. The, and there must be an awful lot of problems with money being pinched or something like that. Uh, Steve, you haven't kept us updated, says Francis, on your condition. Have you fully recovered? Um, well, you know, I've fully recovered in so much as I'm still, I'm still scarred. I'm not going to not to be scarred. They've already told me that, you know, there is scarred. But it doesn't bother me. I've already said they offer, surprisingly, counselling on, on scarring for some people who maybe can't cope. If it's on your face or something like that, well, then I can understand how, how people would need some sort of scarring. But I've already said to them, I've, I've told them on numerous occasions, I've said, listen, I'm not remotely bothered. I'm seriously not bothered. I've, I've seen the scarring. I know, you know, I know what it is. I'm not going to be sitting on a, on a beach anytime soon. But that's, that's fine. If it was private, then I, I could probably cope with something like that. But I'm not, I'm not really that sort of person. But for other scarring, you would probably need some sort of counselling, but uh, not for me. So it's, it's there. It's there and, you know, it is what it is. So I've got it on both arms now and uh, on bits of my legs and things. It doesn't matter, though. Nobody, even the producer hasn't seen it. Seriously, I mean, I'm, you just don't show people scarring and stuff like that. I'm just learning to live with it. I'm fine with it. Just appreciative of the of the hospital. Uh, Steve the Milkman. God, let's see, we've got no end of Milkman listening to this programme in the morning. He says, thank you for championing... Champ- anyway, uh, for the local Milkman, it's much appreciated. I myself have seen a mini revival from the good people of Muswell Hill. Fresh milk delivered early in glass bottles that can be reused up to 40 times. What's not to like? Yeah, I'm delighted. I'm I'm absolutely delighted to hear people, you know, bringing back milkmen. I thought they were sort of they were going out, but in fact, even Kevin, his his dairy are taking on loads of new clients. He's taken on ten new people. That's good. That's good. You know, we should, you know, all these sort of changes. They go, oh, we're going to do this, and this is sort of progress. And the, no, it's not. Let's be old fashioned for a change, shall we? This year, let's be old fashioned. Uh, Sharon says. You were talking yesterday about how stilted the Queen was, talking about the coronation in that programme. I too thought it was very odd, but I read that the Queen never gives interviews as such, so the presenter had to pose what he said in a roundabout way, which is why it didn't flow like a normal interview. Well, in fact, they do do interviews. You have to submit questions in advance. It's just, the one thing I said was she doesn't do small talk. She won't sit there and, and start saying, oh, well, it was dreadful the other day. And you know, the nearest she got to it was you know, when she had her Annus Horribilis. That was the only time that she ever spoke about it. When she had a cold and things like that, she's always spoken. But she just gets on and does it. And it was when her father, uh, the, the interviewer, said, uh, you know, he, 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 he wasn't very happy about the crown because they couldn't, they didn't know which, which way round it was supposed to go. It was marked with a bit of cotton, but the cotton fell off. So that didn't really help. And, uh, and he said he, 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 was, uh, he was very angry. And, she, and all she said was, yes, he was. And you could tell he must have been really cross. <laughs> uh, Phil Vickery says, our postman, sorry, our milkman, do beg your pardon, is brilliant. Long may it continue. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, there's something about a milkman delivering pints and chinking the milk bottles. And it's, you just don't see it very often. So I'm glad that in London we have a number of uh, milkmen. We don't find, but we haven't found any milk women. Is such a thing exist? Nobody's ever queried that before. I've only just thought about it now, you know. Is it, is it sexist to say milkman? Because there must be women who do it, are there? I don't know. Perhaps they don't want to get up that early in the morning. 
And also, they used to wear a uniform. Kevin's Kevin's uniform is uh, is shorts. But mind you, I've got a postman whose uniform is shorts. Come winter, come summer, come rain, come shine, shorts. All the way through shorts, which is good. Uh, beginning of the programme this morning, I told you about my bargain from Not Cuts uh, in Stains. You watch, they'll all go by the end of today. They were selling snow shovels, big snow shovels, quid, a pound. So I bought two. <laughs> my cleaner's going to be so delighted. All we need now is, uh, is a bit of snow just to make it work. But it doesn't matter, it'll snow next year. Um, uh, so on the, uh, the member of the royal family announcing the wedding plans, the former barman, the bad news is for the royal family, and Philip will be, I should imagine, at the moment, sitting up there with a the whiskey going, I can't believe she's coming into Windsor Castle. Because he doesn't like Sarah Ferguson. It's well known, that's the reason she's not invited for Christmas, is the, the fact that Prince Philip doesn't like her. Mind you, she doesn't seem to be universally liked by anybody, really. I don't there's something about her that people... She sort of plays royal, but in fact, you know, she's not royal at all. She was just sort of somebody there at the time, and now she... Um, she goes around the world playing on the fact she's a duchess, but it doesn't mean anything to us. Duchesses went out, you know, with the Ark and being presented at court. doesn't happen anymore at all. But uh, as I say, she will be, presumably, unless they're going to ban her, she'll be at Windsor Castle for the wedding. The royal family were going, don't let her anywhere near the members. Of-. And Andrew knows that she's not invited. He hasn't had any sway with his father at all. She does not go for Christmas. She can stay off the land, but she's going nowhere near Christmas. Uh, some of the papers were trying to do damage limitation. I think she'd, she'd employed a PR to try and say, oh, the family are warming to her. No, they're not. No, she didn't go last Christmas, did she? Uh, three steaks and a plate of fish. Venice. Rip off. £1,000, roughly. 970 quid. Uh, some Japanese tourists went there. They complained bitterly. They found quite a number of places in Venice. You can probably find exactly the same in Rome. People who go there and uh, and the, the tourist cafes around the tourist attractions, uh, mainly the Trevi Fountain, uh, the gondolas are something else. We tried getting a gondola. Oh, blimey, have you seen the price they're charging? Oh, absolutely astronomical. You always pre-book. It's a lot easier. We've pre-booked, because they, they just make up money as they're going along. Exactly the same as Fiacas in uh, Austria, in St Stephen's, to take you around Vienna in a horse-drawn cart. You pay through the nose. You pay through the nose. Anywhere, and also tourist restaurants. I mean, the pedicabs, even here in London, rip-offs. Rip-offs. The worst thing is, about the pedicabs, which annoys me so much, is that they're not paying any tax. They're not licensed, because we haven't licensed them. Uh, and you can't get rid of them. They're driven by, let's call them ne'er-do-well, shall we? These are people who will steal from you. They will steal from you. They go the wrong way up one-way streets. I don't know why we've never managed to get rid of them. I can't quite understand why any company would want to advertise with a pedicab. I avoid any company that advertises on a pedicab. I wouldn't go anywhere near them. These people aren't even insured. You have an accident, and dear God, there's going to be one very soon. You know, and, uh, you, and you, you try getting money out of somebody, you don't even know who they are. Because they're not licensed, you don't know anything. Mind you, you get the same with Uber, don't you, I suppose, really? They sort of seem to make up prices as they're going along. But the pedicabs are outrageous. What did somebody pay once? Because the bloke threatened them with all sorts of things. £600 to go from Piccadilly Circus to Hamleys. 600 quid. You must be a fool. Mainly, I see drunks in them. You know, overloaded. Th- Why the police haven't stopped them all, I've got no idea. But um, police have now confronted a rickshaw driver attempting to charge £206... Uh, for a three-minute ride. He took them on a mile-long trip from Oxford Circus to Marble Arch. Uh, the policeman told the driver he was exploiting tourists and ripping them off. The driver claims he told him it would cost £10 a minute before the journey. 
And the spokesman for the Mayor of London could only come up with such incidents as shocking and utterly disgraceful. That was the previous mayor. I mean, it's just, you know, what are they doing about it? Nothing. Not a thing. Not a thing. We've still got illegal minicabs in London. Don't believe the cobblers that they come up with and say, oh, we don't have it. They're everywhere. Everywhere. You stand by the side of the road in London near a bar, you'll have somebody, minicab, minicab, illegal. They're all illegal. No insurance, no nothing. And the chances are you could probably get beaten up and robbed. Take your life in your hands in London. And they've never managed to stop it at all. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's 11 minutes to 6. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of January. The other story which everybody's going to be talking about today is because it's so sad. It's another one of these cases of um, of a child who is seriously, seriously ill and the doctors want to discontinue treatment. And the mother has gone to court to see if she can... Excuse me. Uh, <coughs> blimey. <laughs> it's more bizarre by the minute. Uh, to see if she can get the court to overturn the doctor's decision. This is uh, Isaiah Hastrup, who's 11 months old. Doctors say he suffered catastrophic brain damage due to being deprived of oxygen at birth. Um, The problem is here that his uh, mother has said that he deserves a chance to live. And she said basically, you know, something which every mother uh, would say in a similar situation, and you've heard it before, she says, don't give up on him and say it's a hopeless case because many children have been born in a similar situation. Their parents didn't get up on them, give up on them. And with love, that's one thing I know, give a child love and they will thrive. Unfortunately, this, this child doesn't seem to be responding at all. And when asked how prepared they were for the hearing's possible result, Isaiah's father, who's Lanre, says, we know our system provides several avenues to explore if you're dissatisfied with the court's ruling or judgment, which, which to me means that they're, they're going to fight, they're going to do everything that they, they can. Uh, but we, we've heard of these because we've discussed these on LBC before. Doctors have already told the court that Isaiah's in a low level of consciousness and is connected to a ventilator, can't move or breathe independently and doesn't respond to stimulation. So we have to wait and see what the outcome is from the court and then presumably... The parents will will decide after that. It's a, there's a there's a, a huge emotional connection, you know, between child and mother, and so you can imagine they're they're caught in this situation where they're going. But can't we try this? Can't we try that? And and doctors say, but it won't it won't make any difference. She says when we call him, he opens his eyes and turns his head. And the doctors say, no, he doesn't. So you're, you're dealing with somebody. She's prepared to sort of say anything to make sure that she gets the treatment she thinks he should get. But he's only 11 months old, poor little soul. And you do you do worry that, you know, we're, we're sort of going through our life and here's somebody going through, you know, somebody's life or death that I'm sure it'll be discussed on LBC later on today. Because of you, Steve, says uh, Jeremy, I signed up to my local milk round, fresh milk and eggs every weekend to my doorstep. It's like the uh, original Amazon Prime. There you go. And Claire says, my ex was a milkman. And it's true what they say about Milman. That's why he's my ex. Mind you, uh, she can't trust him, can she? I shouldn't think so. And uh, Kevin the Milman, we've got this problem, haven't we, in the Strand at uh, the moment. And uh, Kevin said he's, he's tried to get uh, down there. He says, I've just tried to get down the Strand. I wasn't even allowed to walk down to make my delivery. So I'm assuming that the buses... It's a nice, honestly, the poor producer, the station's closed where he gets back. He doesn't know how he's going to get home. Land Concord, he said, it'd be easier. So you can get... I think what they'll do is the buses will come down here and then they'll go down to the embankment. 
if you don't live in London, this means nothing to you. Then they'll go along the embankment, come up by uh, just past embankment tube, and then come backwards onto Waterloo Bridge, which is where they went last time round. So you, you can't go straight down the Strand either way because it stops at Waterloo Bridge, but the buses can go round that bottom bit if they've come up from the... I know what I'm talking about. It's no good looking at me like I'm mad. I'm to going to get the underground. I could get the underground as well, but it's, I can't bear getting the underground, although it is free. So I suppose that could be it. He said, times they are changing. This is Kevin. A lot of our customers pay online now. No more waiting around on a Saturday morning to pay us. We carry very little cash, which means we're safe from uh, any near-do-wells. I'm glad you told us about the Strand, because I'm wondering how long it's going to take to actually uh, get round to sorting it out, because that's, that's a major problem for people getting into buildings. If you can't even walk along the Strand... There's loads of people who work down there. All the coffee shops and everything else. That would be a, a big problem. Uh, yesterday, says Josh, I bought a bottle of rich and creamy Jersey cow milk from Sainsbury's at a reasonable price of 80 pence. Do not ignore this and uh, try it if you love a milk tree. I've had the one which comes from Guernsey, from Guernsey cows. and It, it is delicious, but it's just chock-a-block with calories, which, you know, sometimes I like to uh, ignore. Sometimes I don't like to ignore because I can, I can feel in my body that maybe not as good as usual. Uh, there was a, a milk lady on Open All Hours with David Jason, says Angela. Was there really? Oh, well, there you go. You've told me something that I did not know. I did not know. Uh, what do you think to uh, Scarlett Moffat on Through the Keyhole? Uh, I don't think Paddy McGuinness was very impressed. Um, to be honest with you, I, th- I, I just don't see a career for her at all. She's not, you know, you just can't. At the moment, everybody's going, oh, Scarlett Moffat's on here. And I've, I've heard her and I've watched her. She did Street Mate. Wasn't good. It really wasn't good. She's done a few little bits and pieces. And unfortunately, you know, people are looking for more. A little bit more than that. You've got to go that extra thing. And as for Georgie Toffolo, according to the papers yesterday, she's already been hauled over the coals for turning up late for her little job on this morning. And if you can't be bothered to do that, that shows a distinct lack of interest in the business. It's a case of, oh, somebody will always take my picture. Yeah. And when you're down and out, living on the streets, when evening calls so far, I will comfort you. I'm on your side. Don't get this on any other programmes, you know. There's a reason. And uh, so, no, I'm, any of these people who've come off reality shows, and what was Scarlett Moffat's claim to fame? She sat there with her legs up on a settee, very common, uh, watching television, talking about it. How boring is that? She's proved that, uh, you know, there's not really a great deal to her. And then she went in jungle. Did she win the jungle or something? You know, big, so, you know, and then, and then she put on weight again, and then and she apparently burst into tears because people said she was fat. But she did Street Mate, which was ghastly which is one that Davina McCall did, and did it so much better. When you watch professionals doing it, and then you watch a rank amateur doing something, you know, that's why all these people, they just don't know what they're doing. So you've got Georgie Toffolo, who's going to be doing a programme with Boris Johnson's father, because they got on well together in the jungle. I don't know why I'm doing that accent. They got on well together in the jungle. Well, who cares? I mean, they don't look to me like a winning combination. The whole idea that the jungle is, we're hoping that they'll all collapse. You know, they'll have a breakdown or something. That's what people watch it for. You don't want to watch people enjoying themselves. What's the point of that? That would be a ridiculously silly programme, wouldn't it? Uh, can't wait for the invitation. Arriving for Eugenie's wedding, says Donnie. Not sure if I should wear the pink shirt or the yellow one. Um, yes, I can't wait to see who their guest list is. I cannot wait to see the guest list. It'll be a lot of ne'er-do-wells and the people that they hang around with, who is sort of, you know, the sort of people that Sarah Ferguson hangs around with. Mind you, and Prince Andrew, he's had some people he's hung around with, hasn't he? Paedophiles, you know, uh, topless models, things like that. He's not exactly got the greatest track record. 
But uh, Sarah Ferguson appears to have stopped tweeting. Obviously, somebody said, perhaps Andrew, stop tweeting. I mean, some of the rubbish she came up with is, is just absolutely ridiculous. There's something the matter with her. A woman who goes out with a picture of her grown-up daughter on a handbag, a photograph on a... Ba- and you think, and set it, sits on the tube. What's the matter with her? And the answer is quite a number of things. Uh, you could be excellent on Through the Keyhole as a panellist. I don't think so, because last week... One, I didn't know who the second house was, because I didn't get that far. I turned off the moment we saw it was Professor Green, a man who apparently has got street cred. Not anymore. So what you appeared on, mate? Through the keyhole. You are joking, aren't you? With that deeply unfunny Keith Lemon. I did a survey in the offices the other day. Anybody find Keith Lemon funny? Nobody. The only person who finds Keith Lemon funny is Keith Lemon. The rest of the time, ghastly, honestly. Really, can't we get somebody else? Is there anybody else? What's Philip Schofield doing? He doesn't do much. Let's get Pip Schofield in. He could do the programme. Tax cheat car. Uh, This is Jimmy Carr. Close the tax cheat loopholes. It's obviously so easy, isn't it? You know, if you were lucky enough to um, to sort of have that much money to invest, you could probably put it into schemes which would save you a little bit of a little bit of money or quite a lot of money. And loads of people did it. Half a take that were doing it, I believe. Uh, also, twenty five years on, James Bulger's mum's fear. She said, "I fear my son Michael could unwittingly talk to Venables or Thompson in a bar, not knowing that they killed James Bulger." Um, and that's it, isn't it? Although at the moment, one of them, uh, I think it's Thompson, or is it Venables, I can't remember which one it is, uh, was downloading offensive items and so could go back to prison again. But you do feel sorry, actually, for James Bulger's mother. Really, really sorry. It's just absolutely dreadful. But I didn't realise that uh, she had three other sons. She's got uh, Leon, Michael and Thomas. Um, So there they are. But she says here... Uh, they were in front of a picture of James at a charity ball. It's the only picture of her four boys together. That's what James Bulger would have looked like had he been allowed to live. Absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, also, I don't understand. There's a dog tied to a tree. I'll have to tell you about this in, in the next part of the programme. Uh, because animal lovers have slammed the police. They just shot it. Because it was, uh, you know, could they not have darted it or something like that? Put it, you know, let it sort of be anaesthetised and then sort of take it and put it in a... In a home. They said it was an aggressive German shepherd. And so it was destroyed. Unable to get close enough to sedate it, they shot it. What you get? These things, these things are in, rif- in rifles, aren't they? When you shoot a thing, like you shoot a dart into an elephant or something like that. Surely you didn't need to shoot a dog. I'm not surprised. It was probably absolutely terrified. Tied to a tree, not knowing what's going on. They don't ask for a lot in life, dogs, do they? But they give so much back, so much back to people. Coming up to the news at six o'clock this Tuesday, the 23rd of January. Vladimir Putin is a clear and present danger. God, that's all we need. Is your cat left paw or right pawed? Do you know? Did you ever think about that? I never thought about it, I have to be honest. Another member of the royal family announced his wedding plans with a former barman. Bad news being Sarah Ferguson will get to go. Oh, dear, she'll be planning it now. She'll be having all the sort of bits and pieces and she'll be grinning like a Cheshire cat and the rest of the royal family looking at her going, how did she get here? Three steaks and a plate of fish. Nearly a £1,000, the rip-off that is Venice. You go to touristy places, there's restaurants that will rip you off. The supermarket with no tills and no queues and the Oxford student who rolled up as Stephen Hawking and why every family should live with their grandmother. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Coming up five minutes past six, Tuesday, 23rd of January. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. It's amazing, actually, when you go through the 
uh, the news headlines. Vlad- Vladimir Putin makes a lot of the front pages this morning, who apparently is a clear and present danger. Yes, I would think that would be right, honestly. We keep falling out with people, don't we? You sometimes wonder what these politicians uh, are actually thinking about. And also, former TOWIE star Billy Muckalow goes makeup free as she runs errands in Essex. Who cares? Who ca- why would anybody care about that? Uh, this is in the, uh, the Sun. And she was snapped going makeup free. What, with a photographer? What was he doing? Waiting outside the Labour Exchange to get a picture of her. She was running Essex. She's engaged to a Premier League ace, Andy Carroll. You've heard of him, have you? Oh, right, OK. She popped to the shops to pick up a passport application for her son, who's called, wait for this one, Wolf Nine. Oh, dear God in heaven. Where'd you get... Was that the set? Have you copied Harper Seven, dear, or something? Honestly, it's Andy Carroll's shirt number. So she was sporting grey Nike hoodie, leggings and a black puffer jacket. She was seen whizzing around. It looks like she's put on a ton of weight, honestly. She's got the old Croydon facelift going on. But, um... And then she sort of, um, just, why would anybody want to take a picture of Nobody knows who she is. Nobody knows who she is at all. I find it absolutely unbelievable that people nowadays, they, they, they put a story in a newspaper and 90% of people go, who is she? And you go, she's nobody. She's absolutely, out of most of the people on there, she is seriously a nobody of no interest to anybody at all. Phil Vickery said that, uh, I worked with a friend of mine making Lancashire cheese using raw milk. We had the milk on crunchy nut cornflakes. It was like single cream. Absolutely delicious. Naughty, naughty, naughty. I quite like the idea of crunchy nut cornflakes, but I, I got a bit... I, I had a guilt trip, I'm afraid. I had some the other week, and I thought, oh, this is quite nice. And I thought, no, no, sugar, sugar. So we had to uh, had to sort of abandon that one. Anyway, going back to the story I did for you just before the news about the dog, which was tied to a tree, uh, a German shepherd... It doesn't look the happiest dog in the world. Officers said they spent hours trying to calm the German shepherd. Unable to get close enough to sedate it, they shot it. So they spent hours trying to calm it. Why didn't they just, you know, you bring in a vet. A vet will bring in a rifle or whatever else and they can they can sedate it like they sedate wolves when you see them in safari parks and stuff like that. Witnesses urged police to save the dog. Thought to him and left... Overnight in freezing condition. I'm not surprised the thing was terrified. You know, and people get near it and all it sees is, wait a minute, somebody's coming to attack me. And so it, it retaliates. I can understand this completely. And uh, Ian Robson said, I suggested they use tranquilizers. It was barking as people tried to feed it. But they kept saying it was an aggressive dog. Somebody said it was tied up, cold and terrified. Surely they could have, you know, given it drugged meat to seduce it. Put it on the end of a stick. And you give it drugged meat and then it goes to sleep. Cleveland police, alerted by the council at the weekend, said vets in the RSPCA had, had advised on the difficult decision, adding all attempts to calm the dog failed. You didn't do any attempts. You didn't sedate it, did you? Vets were unable to sedate it due to not being able to approach it. We don't have to give it an injection, do you? Surely, you know, I've seen them with rifle. I see them when they're doing it through bars on the cage of something. Surely it could have done that. Seems a little bit uh, little bit drastic. Poor dog, honestly. Mind you, I suppose at least you put the thing out of its misery. Having to be in a world where there's people like you around must be absolutely a nightmare. Stressed Ants Telly Awards Meltdown. Soon-to-be divorce stars. Gong show plea. Because they're up again. Is this 17 years or something that Ant and Deck get an award for doing the same programme they did last year on the television? I mean, there's just nobody who comes anywhere near. I think ITV have only got Ant and Deck 
and Pip Schofield and Holly Willabooby. I mean, thank God Keith Lemon doesn't get very much work, you know. I mean, we get through the keyhole, but nobody's bothering with that. And that dreadful celebrity juice thing. Pat Paddy McGuinness occasionally enters into it. No likey, no lighty. That's all, you know, it's OK. I can cope with that. I can live with that kind of thing. But, um, I mean, the rest of them. I mean, why don't ITV just send the award round there and do away without this? You could save yourself a fortune on the ceremony. We're not going to bother with the NTAs. OK, uh, Dermot, you just stand there and talk to the wall, dear. That'll be quite fine. And uh, Anton Deck will send your award round to you. And Pip Schofield, you want another one? Oh, that'll be nice. Thank you. Yes, yeah, you have another award. And uh, we give one to Holly Willabooby. And uh, everybody covered. Everybody covered. Gino DeCampo for services to something. Because he sort of pops up with amazing regularity on the... Um, on the Celebrity Juice programme, or as I, as I prefer to call it, student television for nobody. I can't imagine whoever watches it, seriously. You ask anybody and they go, no, it's just so naff. It's so ridiculous. It's just poor old Keith Lemon, who apparently is acting. You'd never guess, would you? Never guess at all. Uh, I'm taking my husband to uh, Rick Stein's restaurant in... Um, in Barn, says Simon, it's a surprise birthday. Obviously not always listening to this programme. Uh, have you been? No. No, I haven't. I know Rick Stein, but I haven't uh, been. I don't go to these... I tend not to go to celebrity restaurants. I'm not, it's, you know, I don't know why. There's no particular reason for it. I just tend to sort of go where I want to go. And also, I can't bear the idea... If, if somewhere is a, a sort of a celebrity haunt... Admittedly, I'd go to Joe Allen's, but that's it. But I've been going there for 38 years... So it doesn't make any difference. But when you get something new coming along and you see pictures, you won't see any pictures of people going into Joe Allen's. They don't encourage it. And the sort of people who go there go there because they've been going there a long, long time and they like the atmosphere and they like the staff and everything else. But, you know, but you get the, the Chilton Firehouse and they go, oh, here's... And you think, oh, well, I definitely don't want to go there. Definitely don't want to go there, thank you very much indeed. And it used to be the Ivy. They, they've cooled off a lot at the Ivy. Which is which is quite good because proper celebrities, not not the third rate Z listers who go, oh look, Billy Mucklow going to, where, and you think, oh who cares, who cares? So we don't do that. Bruno says, I remember when I was a kid, I used to walk miles to the dairy, which was in the next village, to buy milk, fresh butter, and eggs, uh, as we didn't have a milkman delivery in France. Uh, we didn't have glass bottles, but a metal milk pot. I've still got it in my kitchen on show. Well, there's a place which I saw in the papers the other day where they have a milk ch- they have a milk machine. Outside, I remember I remember using milk machines years ago. You put money in a carton of ice cold milk was delivered. Now, this is another place where it's farm fresh, and you take your jug along and you take, and then you you pay for what you've actually taken, which is good. Uh, Diana says all night deliveries like the milk van, which parks near other people's homes, are a nightmare for local residents as they find a quiet spot, um, and then they clank and bang in the middle of the night, leaving us with no rest. Good, I'm glad. As long as it keeps you up, I'm glad about that. Bang, bang, crash, woo! Oh, definitely. Definitely, we'd have all that going. And um, they said, they don't even deliver here. They use our parking spaces to deliver. Oh, I'd definitely come round there and bang on your front door. Whoa, come on, get up! That wouldn't annoy you, which is I'm quite pleased about, actually. Uh, when we went to Venice, we were appalled by the deceitful behaviour of the waiting staff around the uh, St Mark's Square in the Rialto. We had to repeatedly ask them to bring our change, which they feigned to have forgotten about, and even when they brought it, tried to uh, short changes. It's tourists. They're catering for tourists. They're not interested in you. A friend of mine loves Stephen Mulhern on catchphrase. He's got this laryngitis at the moment. He's got this... Uh, no, no voice. Well, he had it the other week, whether he's still got it. I quite like Stephen Mulhern. Well, in fact, I like Stephen Mulhern a lot because I see him on an occasional basis when he's in the building. 
that uh, I've not seen him for a little while. I sent him a thing the other day hoping that he was going to be well because uh, we've got somebody else around here who's got laryngitis. And that's like talking like that. Which must be a nightmare. Nightmare if you're a presenter. Luckily, this person isn't a presenter. But uh, Venice residents are protesting against the tourist influx. Last summer, thousands of Venetians on Sunday took to the streets to protest against mass tourism. Good. Let's not go there. Let's not bother going there. Sink or swim. Probably sink, I should imagine. And uh, they say 2,000 residents took part in the protest. Uh, they use the slogan, uh, Mino Vada Via, translated as I'm not leaving. Uh, they were discontented at the impact of high tourist numbers on locals' lives. What do you think the place is surviving on? be like if we in London went, we don't want tourists anymore. Of course we want tourists, that's what keeps the place going. Admittedly, the service in some of the touristy restaurants is shoddy, even in London. Even in London. It's not, it's not uh, something that is peculiar to Venice. I mean, Venice is, you know, they say being turned into a theme park and locals and visitors alike resent the fact. Oh, get over yourselves. Valerie Duflo told the local, together with Sebastian uh, Fagalisi, that uh, they, they want people to... I'm going to sneeze again. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> to visit the city without causing harm. What do you think of people... That, oh, dear, honestly. You do worry about local... Well, go and live somewhere else. You're obviously far too dreary. But anyway, when you've got rip-off restaurants, not just Venice, just about everywhere, and these were Japanese tourists. And they had... You know, they also... In Venice, they're, they're very angry about the cruise ships that go in uh, because they go in too close. And they say... Uh, they only spend a few hours in Venice, meaning that the tourist boom has only lined the pockets of a select few. Oh, get over yourself, you moaning old Marys. Nothing worse than Venetians. Oh, my God, here we go again. Another bloody cruise ship. They're only going to be here for a few hours. It's not good. Apparently, rowing in Venice is unique. It's the closest you get to walking on water. Right? You don't get mown down by the cruise ships. But uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a few hours. They'll be spending some money in the city. If you didn't have the cruise ships... And you didn't have the people that vote to go there. You know, they go, let's go. Because they're, they're, apparently the city has banned takeaway food shops from the centre in May. Have you tried getting a cup of coffee in St Mark's Square? Have you seen the price you're paying for it? Rip off. Rip off. I feel like sitting down and pouring out my own water into a flask and making my own, my own cup of coffee. It's ridiculous, but it happens everywhere. We had it when we went to Rome. We were near the, the Trevi Fountain and uh, we, we found a cafe and it was just rip off time. It was just rip-off time. They weren't remotely interested. Tourists are treated like scum. You know, you very read. They go, oh, the hospitality is amazing. Not in the tourist places, it's not. But it's not unique to these places. Go anywhere. You know, they always say, go off the beaten track, find the places where the locals go to. You know, you want to go to Viennese coffee shops, you're going to pay through the nose for a cup of coffee and a cake. And they go, oh, it's unique. You get the same in Patisserie Valerie here. It's no different, I promise you. I've eaten in all of the... Uh, uh, and drunk coffee in all of the coffee shops in Vienna, from Café Landmann downwards. And uh, and it's exactly the same as Patisserie Valerie. You know, it's posh cakes, milfoy, and things like that, and profiterot, and all the rest of it, and an expensive cup of coffee. The only thing is, it's served by... And you can sit there all day, read a newspaper, if you so desire. But then you could do that here with Patisserie Valerie. I've never heard of anybody being thrown out. Ridiculous, honestly. But uh, if you go to Venice and you go to tourist places... Expect to be ripped off. That's what they do. They don't expect they're going to see you ever again. Why should they care? It's like London. I get so annoyed, you know, because, you know, for some of us, we live and work here. And I wouldn't like to tell you about some of the very expensive little places, literally within a stone's throw of here, you know, where they think you're all... I mean, I, even I've been approached 
waiting for the tourist buses. They go, oh, you want to sit? I said, I live in London. Can't you spot what a tourist looks like? Thicko. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, 6.21. Actually, just reading more about moaning old Mary. About, you know, she doesn't like milkman. She doesn't seem to like anything, actually. You're just a curtain twitcher, aren't you? That's what it is. You know, milkmen aren't even delivering to us here. Of course they're not. They're just sent to wind you up. Works brilliantly, though, doesn't it? Uh, when we went to Venice, says Sam, uh, the reason we're complaining is because some Japanese tourists got charged nearly a £1,000 for some steaks. Now, admittedly, you can get very expensive steak. I suspect not in Venice and probably not where they were. But anyway, uh, Sam says we sat in Mark's Square. When the bill came, one coffee was charged at £7 and one was £2. When I asked why, the waiter said that as one person was facing into the square, so had a view, and the other one had a back, so no view. The trouble is, you know what you need to do? You need to go to these, these places, but take somebody who speaks Italian and sort of let them say things and then get the person in Italian to say, you're ripping everybody off. That's, that's what you really want, isn't it? But around, you know, but, you, that, but that's why you, you pay a lot of money in St Mark's Square. You're paying for the view. You're paying to sit there and look at people. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Might as well take your own chair, sit down, get a table out, put a tablecloth over it and just sit there and wind them up. Always works. Uh, Steve... St Mark's Square, 14 quid for an Americano. I just got up and walked away. I would do exactly the same. I would do exactly the same. I'm sorry, it's how much? 14 pounds. Because originally, you know, if you're just having a coffee, you don't need to look at the menu, do you? You just go, uh, Americano, uh, cappuccino, latte. How much? I think not. I think not. You know, and, and the way, they couldn't care less because you get up, somebody will sit down. They don't care. That's why you get bad service. That's why if ever I get bad service in in a local place, like, you know, where you live, then you make a big deal about it. And I mean a big deal about it because it's local restaurants for local people. You're not going to be driving through Twickenham going, oh, I think we'll stop off in Twickenham, have something to eat. It's like the service in Iceland has gone right down. The staff on the tills, there's a couple who are very good, but the rest of the time the staff are just wandering around. That's bad management. You know, which we hadn't had before, so I don't, uh, I don't like it. Uh, Chris says, I feel sorry for Prince Philip having to sit at the top table with his granddaughter's wedding. Maybe next to his daughter-in-law. No chance. No chance of that happening, I promise you. Be good if it was on Twitter. Oh, no, because... Uh, no, no, no. This is Sarah Ferguson probably ended up, you know, going to Windsor Castle. This is uh, some sort of desperate attempt to get her back into the royal family. But uh, whilst Prince Philip is there... He's having nothing to do with it. I should imagine it fires and fires up his blood pressure and everything else. Uh, 84850. Is there any uh, truth in the rumour you're heading for Savile Row to get measured for a new suit? Why do people assume that you go to Savile Row for a new suit? It's very odd, isn't it? It's like people saying you go to Harley Street to see the best doctors. They're rented by the hour, the rooms. Savile Row, there's lots of places, you know, I can get suits. I could fly to Hong Kong and get suits made. Probably better. Suits cost a lot of money. People just assume, don't they? It's like, if you want diamonds, you go to Hatton Garden. If you want a good robbery, you go to Hatton Garden. You know, things like that. It's, that's the way it sort of works. We seem to have got into that mindset. Uh, Sally wants to know if we're paying for Eugenie's wedding. Oh, it's not pronounced Eugenie, by the way. It's Eugenie. <laughs> yeah, right. Pretentious or what? What? Yeah. Uh, there's a 24-hour milk delivery service within the M25 for London. It's arrived on a motorbike, says Gordon. All oh, right, I quite like the idea of that. The royals are paying for the wedding, yes. And uh, because, they, they, you know, the Queen will be paying. How much is it costing? OK, to do away with the dress, Brides, bridesmaids, you'd have to put up with the one who looks like a horse. Oh, God. And who's who's coming? 
models. Oh, God. Swab the toilets. Swab the toilets. They'll have to have all the drug people out there to make sure there's no drugs floating around. God in heaven. What sort of people do they hang around with? Naff people. That's why. Uh, we've had a milkman, Steve, called Graham for over 50 years. Our current one is excellent. So there you go. Uh, Inside Bentley. I think this is an old programme, isn't it? We've already seen Inside Bentley. And um, can't picture Philip's face being anywhere near Fergie at the wedding, says Christy. No, it won't be. He can't stand her. And um, here we go. So a lot of other people sharing uh, my friend's uh, thoughts on Stephen Mulhern. I love him. I think he's great, actually. He looks fantastic. He really does look very, very good. And, And somebody has sent me... Oh, it's Phil. Phil Vickery has sent me a bill for two coffees in St Mark's Square. Okay, he saved it obviously for his accountant. And if I open it up, I can see that two coffees, uh, two one is a cappuccino and one isn't, is thirty four fifty euros. Thirty four fifties, unbelievable. So for two coffees, he says. 35 euros. It was very nice, though. I would take the table with me when I left. I would... 35 euros. You see, you pays your money, you takes your choice, don't you? And um, and people say, you know, have you been to St Mark's Square? They go, yep, 35 euros for two coffees. I would... Uh, the trouble is, once you've ordered it, you're kind of into a, a bit of an arrangement. Uh, but anyway, these Japanese tourists complained because the British don't complain. They just go, we shan't go there again. But you're never going to go there again. We, we, we all complained among ourselves at the Trevi Fountain Cafe about what rubbish food it was. I mean, it really was. It was rubbish. And it was very expensive. And the service was almost non-existent. But then we won't go back there again. And also the fact that I've got a radio programme means I can say, if you go to the Trevi Fountain, watch all the tourist restaurants around there. They're just ripping you off. You know, you can get better food. It's like around Trafalgar Square. There's loads of places that cater for tourists. They're not catering for... Londoners don't go there. Londoners know where where to go if you want a a sandwich or something like that. You wouldn't go to any of these touristy places, would you? Begin to wonder how long it's going to take them to uh, open the Strand up. That's going to cause chaos this morning. No trains in or out of Charing Cross. The Strand is closed in both directions. You can't even walk up it. Kevin the Milton said he wasn't even allowed to walk up it because there's a risk of an explosion. Well, it's, they knew this at three o'clock this morning. So here we are coming up to seven. So that's, that's four hours. How long does it take? I mean, does it take really that long? Or is it a lot of people standing around going, Ooh, what about that? <sighs> what can you do with this? I don't know. You know, how long, how long does it take? This is, you know, a big day in London. It's Tuesday. Thousands upon thousands of people use that. People would be walking over Waterloo Bridge and then realising they're not allowed to go left. We've had this before. Aggressive people. No, 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 no. But I live down there. You can't go down there. Gosh, truth, honestly. A bit worrying, isn't it, really? A little bit worrying. Uh, also, holiday prints off again. Yeah, because all they do is go on holidays. Uh, Andrew's daughters have obviously learned from him. Do what you want to do. Stick two fingers up to the rest of the world. Because that's why, basically, we're not interested. I couldn't care less who she marries. She can go and get married in a registry office in Chelsea. I'm not interested. Couldn't care less. They're sort of, they've always been a little bit sort of, let's do our own thing because we are princesses. Bone idle. Bone idle. But, uh, so they're, they're off on holiday again. As I say, she's done God knows how many holidays. Russia has banned our top bear. The Kremlin killjoys have tried to ban Paddington from Russian cinemas. What? Very odd, isn't it, really? Um, I don't know why. I can't think of any reason. 
They took issue with Paddington 2's foreign values and fear its popularity could outperform homegrown films in the box office. Homegrown films in Russia, what would that be? Corruption, black market profiteering, what sort of things are going on there? Anti-gay, good Lord, honestly. Life under Putin must be a barrel of laughs. Thank you very much indeed. And all we're offering them is a CGI'd character called Paddington. You'd think Putin would have read those before he went to bed, wouldn't you, really, you know? Well, today we're with Paddington. Paddington, go marmalade sandwich. They probably don't even have marmalade in there. I remember there always used to be a thing about Russia. They used to say, if you want to go to Russia, take jeans, because they can't get jeans, so you can use them as currency. And uh, there were certain shops only open to high-ranking Russian officials. It's, I mean, it's really, it's, it's, but it's an interesting place. It's interesting, but I don't think we want to fall out with Putin, but, you know. Difficult to know what to do with him, isn't it? I suppose if you were a bodybuilder, he'd quite like it if you wandered about with your shirt off or something like that. He likes those sort of machismo kind of uh, photographs. Yes. Do you think there could be a Putin calendar? There probably isn't him him riding a horse with other men with shirts off, because this butch. Uh, also, why Sarah Ferguson still known as a duchess? Oh, only in certain quarters. This is where Prince Andrew referred to as the duchess, like she was somebody of some importance. Not really at all, really. And uh, Paris is very much the same, says Les. Oh, Paris is outrageous. Oh, look, Russia's released an official Vladimir Putin 2018 calendar showing him hugging leopards, riding Harley and beating judo champs. So that's good, isn't it? Oh, I like a leopard. I like. A... Oh, here's him with his shirt off again. Something a bit odd about that, isn't there? With, with a sniper rifle presumably to shoot people, and he's showing off his chest. Mind you, I think you get to a certain age and you really mustn't show off your, your chest at all, must you? And so it's the Putin calendar. God, that's quite a rarity. I quite like that idea. You see, the funny thing is, I quite like him. I don't think he speaks very good English. But, um, you know, maybe he'll learn one day. Maybe he'll learn one day. Maybe he'll no learn, but who cares? It's still uh, Putin. Uh, see, we have a milk machine that sold uh, Mickey chocolate milkshakes. Oh, that's nice. I like the idea of a chocolate milkshake. I still remember telling you some time ago about a chip machine and people writing and going, don't be so silly. And, and then we found photographs and went, look, this is what it is. It's a chip machine that used to fry the chips. But uh, So you're right, Paris as expensive, if not worse, than, uh, than London or just about anywhere else. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, you're pretty nice to have your company. 23 minutes to 7. Nick Ferrari's with you at 7 this morning. In fact, he's going to be a little bit closer than I ever imagined, as we're going to be sharing studios. Uh, the defiant UKIP leader, Henry Bolton, claims the committee, which passed a no-confidence vote in him, is unfit for purpose, has echoed Donald Trump and said the party needs to drain the swamp. So what does need to change at UKIP headquarters? The under-fire leader will speak to uh, Nick Ferrari. A London Assembly report says the supply of guns in the capital is a growing concern. Nick will find out what can be done to stop the spread of firearms. Plus, new smart motorways could see the end of the hard shoulder. Nick will bring you a shocking 999 call from a driver who broke down on the M6 and ended up getting hit by a lorry travelling at more than 50 miles an hour. Amazingly, the three passengers only suffered minor injuries. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning on LBC. Uh, right, oh, just going... Oh, one royal wag uh, has already written about... Eugenie. That's how they pronounce it, Eugenie. I mean, you've never heard of such a ridiculous pronunciation, have you? Because uh, she's known for freebie holidays. In fact, uh, hardly a day's work, really. I shouldn't imagine she ever has realised what it is. But um, 
Somebody says they hope she can fit a honeymoon into her busy holiday schedule because that's all they do. They just go on holidays. She went to Coachella. She's been just about everywhere. She's been to every ski resort. They've been to everything. It's a bit, it's a bit of a shame, really, that they're work shy because you'd like to think that maybe she'd probably sort of get into a mindset of actually learning how to do something. You know, Granny's delighted. Yeah, Granny's still working harder than she is at the age of 91. Uh, Manchester United are in the papers today. Why? They're topping the rich list. Um, and when you look at how much they're worth, it's amazing, isn't it? How much money's in football. That's where it all comes from. Even down the bottom of the list, Everton, 171 million. I don't know if this is their assets or whether this is what their, their turnover is. 171 million, they say. This, it comes to their bank balance. So you, you move up the list. Juventus, 348 million. Uh, then you get Arsenal, 418 million. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain. 417 million. Manchester City, 453. Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, and top of it, Man United, 561 million pounds. It's a lot of money, isn't it? A lot of money in football. It's always, you know, always very entertaining to watch. Uh, fans gone totally mad for Anton Deck. Website goes into meltdown uh, because they asked fans to vote for them in the National Television Awards to banish Ant's Year of Hell. What year of hell? Self-inflicted? That's not... Why should fans have to do that? You make it sound like he's sort of fallen down the stairs and broken a leg or something. His year of hell was self-inflicted. And so they've asked for people to vote for them again. Of course, it'll be a turn-up for the books if the fans don't vote for them. I, I wasn't, I'm not aware how the NTAs work. It's all a little bit, um, a little bit peculiar, isn't it, really? But, I mean, it's, it fills up television. fills up television. Uh, Corrie, actress who you've never heard of, Melissa John, says having nude pictures of her leaked online could be positive, as it shows disabled bodies can be beautiful. What world are you living in, dear? What world are you living in? The actress who played Imogen Pascoe in the soap's lesbian love triangle, what goes on in Weatherfield, doesn't it, um, said she's not devastated after hackers posted explicit pictures. Well, shut up about it, then. Apparently, uh, two show her posing naked with a banana... In another, she performs a sex act on a mystery man, and others feature in black lingerie and a white bathrobe. She's the latest in a series of people on the television who've uh, filmed themselves doing things, and then it gets up online. She said, I'm proud of my body, it's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, what are you complaining about, dear? Nobody, nobody's ever arguing about that. You've sort of made your own argument, haven't you, really? Nobody's ever said, oh, you're, you're, you're disabled, you shouldn't have a beautiful body or something like that. Nobody gives a stuff about it. It's just a bit tacky. That's what it is. It's tacky. So she says, if this goes some way to uh, dismantle discrimination... There is no discrimination against people taking their clothes off. Goodness sakes, you're just making it up as you go along, aren't you, really? But there again, I'm not even sure if she's still in Coronation Street. I'd never even heard of her. Never even heard of her. But apparently there's also been Kim Marsh and various other people... Uh, Faye Brooks, who plays Kate Connor, has herself had explicit sex tapes leaked online. It's almost like a badge of honour, isn't it, now? But the, 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 this is the latest one. I'm proud of my body. Well, whoopee-doo for you, dear. It's just tacky. It's just a bit tacky. You know, but that's good. If that's, you're happy with it, fine. Uh, Barnes's family. Straits hate gays backlash. This is what John Barnes came up with on, uh, on Big Brother. He says here that... Um, he says, uh, what was it here? Oh, that's right. The, the, the family have said he doesn't do sound bites. No, but he's, he's old enough and ugly enough to know what he's supposed to be saying and what he's not saying. He told drag queen 
Shane Yenek that straight men felt uncomfortable around gays because they believed they wanted to have sex with them. In your dreams, old man. In your dreams. What an old-fashioned dinosaur you must be. That's like saying, you know, men like people like Anne Whittacombe because she's a challenge. You know, that sort of... It's just ridiculous. So straights hate gays because they think they want to have sex with them. What world were you brought up in, pal? God, you're old-fashioned, really. Uh, but um, he also raised concerns about former The Apprentice star Andrew Brady and his close, close relationship with gay Shane. God... I feel a bit sorry for you, actually, John. You obviously don't have any friends, do you? The sort of friends you must have. They must be real Neanderthals. Really Neanderthals. So, unfortunately, people don't think like you anymore because Andrew Brady from The Apprentice is getting close to the drag queen. He's already admitted that he... But then a lot of straight men, John, you know what I'm saying, like, uh, like men dressed as women. In fact, I'm reliably informed that many of the prostitutes operating Shepherd Market are, in fact, post-op transsexuals. But, of course, you wouldn't know anything about that because you're so backwards. You really... You've got no idea. I don't know what century you think you're, you're living in. Uh, Genuine has revealed he owns three guns and would use them to protect himself. He's an American... You won't have heard of him. He's an American uh, musician. And he's trying it on with some poor old creature who's uh, ex of made in uh, Chelsea. Uh, Steve, your calendar could have pictures of you hugging chabs, shopping in Iceland... And topless polishing the car. Yeah, I, mean, I see. I see that being fine. Yes, me and my speedos. You know, I, th- I think that's quite a good one. Alistair says we were in Lapland just before Christmas for one hot chocolate for our daughter and a bottle of Chilean Chardonnay. Uh, the hotel charged fifty-two pounds fifty. Uh, well, I could have told you that. In fact, I did tell you that because if you go to Lapland to get wine up to Lapland, costs an absolute fortune. Go to Iceland. You want to know what the price of drinks is? Go to Iceland. Go to Sharm El Sheikh. Go and eat in some of the hotel restaurants there. You need a, a special credit card. It's so expensive for things like that. Norway, exactly the same. Terribly, terribly expensive for booze. So, I mean, hot chocolate would be OK. But uh, a bottle of Chardonnay, I could easily see that as being 50 quid. Easily. Easily. You shouldn't be surprised by that. We've done that on the programme uh, loads of times. Tina says, my cat does high fives with her left paw. And... Uh, and somebody says, um, uh, good afternoon from Adelaide. And then they always put Australia, like I, I don't know where Adelaide is. I'm here on holiday to celebrate my grandfather's 100th birthday. Please say hi to Basil. Is he still alive or are you visiting a grave? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't really know unless people tell me these sort of things. Could be the shock of his life, couldn't it? They've just wished you a happy birthday, Basil. Yuck. <laughs> Kills over. Uh, feeling the musical force, Fallout Boy. Who are these groups? I don't know any of these groups are at the moment. Some American guitar kind of band. Uh, a Jedi Warriors. They like... Uh, I quite like people being Jedi Warriors. I, I'm, I'm sort of quite into that. I think that's quite a good idea. Uh, a Stormzy is brewing. Apparently he's headlining a festival somewhere. I don't really know enough about him and I wouldn't know any of his songs. Uh, and who's going to get the gong? The Churchill star. It's going to be Gary Oldman, isn't it? I think we could safely put a shilling on that one. Come on! That could be quite easy. I mean, he's done so well. He's done so well. Also, White Van Man doesn't exist anymore. You know what they are now? White Vegan Man. Apparently, all the White Van Men... White... white you try saying it. White Van Men have now gone vegetarian. What a load of codswallop. Who wrote this? And it's White Van Person as well. Poor old um, Laura Neal says, Van drivers are dumping their greasy food lifestyle in favour of healthy eating. Are you mad? Where do you get this rubbish from? You've just sat down and made something up. Or have you quizzed all these white van men 
Apparently, one in ten claim to stick to a healthy vegan-style diet of fruit, vegetables and salad. What a load of codswallop. I've never had so much rubbish in my entire life. God, that's your reputation gone through the roof. So next time I see a white van man eating a burger, he's obviously a rogue person. Uh, Dave says, can you resist the Speedos? Look like a bag of apples. Nothing to matter with a bag of apples, pal, I'm telling you. Bag of apples is very uh, positive in this day and age. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Interesting thing at eight minutes to seven is that work keeps the brain active. That's what they say in the papers today. And I totally agree with that. I think it does. Interestingly enough, a turnaround, normally they go, oh, Mark Wright's still in love with his girlfriend. And uh, they've said here she looks like a right misery. They were pictured in a restaurant in L.A. Why? I can't imagine. He's not known in America at all. He's just one of a, a number of uh, reporters who work on an entertainment programme. That's why we, we laughed the other day when they were saying, oh, don't, don't worry, because uh, he's the new James Corden. The fact he's British, and that's where it finishes. There's nothing else. Uh, front pages of the uh, papers this morning. The holiday princess off again. Yes, getting married in Windsor. Uh, bad news, as I say, for the royal family is that Fergie will be there trying to get involved with something. Uh, Russia has banned our bear and stressed ants telly awards meltdown because they want to make sure, Ant and Deck, that they get the NTA award. Well, they've had it for 17 years. I can't see it changing now, can you? And we don't really have anybody else. So if you're voting for Ant and Deck, it can't be for Saturday Night Takeaway because we've not had that for a while. So it must be for I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here because they don't do anything else. They do, oh, Britain's got talent. But all they do is stand in the wings and go, good luck, and, and, and clap. And I mean, how difficult can that be? They, they, they don't turn up, if you've noticed, on other people. Have you seen them on Celebrity Juice? Have you seen them on Through the Keyhole? No, I don't think they do things like that. They're not interested. They don't do, why would they want to prop up somebody else's programme? They don't do that. They're, they're independently clever. Uh, the Daily Mirror, uh, ten months after the tough new laws, this driver, and they've got loads inside the papers here of the idiots at the wheel. One of them is texting with no hands on the wheel at all. And one of them who got done was an ex-copper who was in the paper. And uh, he says here, you know you shouldn't be doing it. The lesson here is put it away and don't use it. I've now got six points and a £200 fine. Great. That's a former police officer, Paul Fort, on learning his lesson. What an idiot. How on earth somebody like that have got to be a police officer? They've got one woman who's got one hand on the wheel. The other one is holding her phone up to... Don't these people real? Perhaps they don't care. Perhaps they really don't care if they're... I mean, hands-free units are so cheap. You know, if you want a super-duper one, you can pick one up for 60, 70 quid. Most modern cars have actually got it built in, so I don't really see see the problem with it. Perhaps it's because people don't think that it's the same as holding a phone up to your ear. I do. Uh, Steve, I had a, a glass of orange in a local pub. The bartender opened a carton of Asda cheap orange and charged me one fifty. Well, all pubs do that. What do you mean? Why would that be unusual? Where do you think they get the orange juice from? Squeezing oranges? Of course they don't. It comes out of a carton. But they do exactly the same for grapefruit juice, tomato juice, and just about every other juice you can think of. Uh, a lot of uh, compensating going on in Putin's calendar, says Nigel. Can we safely assume that Putin is Russian for tiddler? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't even like to guess, actually. And uh, Basil in Adelaide is still alive and kicking. When you say kicking, is he restrained? You know, I'm, I'm slightly disturbed by somebody who's celebrating a 100th birthday and somebody who's got that much energy. However, just to disprove the son's story, John of Walthamstow says, I'm in McDonald's in Leighton. There are seven white vans in the drive. Through. Bit. 
Uh, perhaps they're queuing up for a salad bowl or something. I'm sort of erring on the side of caution because apparently, according to this ridiculous thing in the sun this morning, yeah, you can get a fruit bag. That's why they're pulling. Uh, what, what do you want? What do you want, mate? Uh, you've got a fr- fruit fruit bag? Yeah. Uh, chips for anybody? Uh, no, we have two, two hash browns and a fruit bag. Uh, thank you. Double sausage and egg muffin. One of those things that you put through that machine that heats it up as it goes in because it's ice cold. And that's a sort of, uh, I don't know what it's called actually now. I can't remember what it's called. It's two bits of dried up old bacon with a bit of cheese over the top of it in like a pita bread wrap. It's a lot smaller than you get it and a lot more disappointing when you get it. But I was watching the bloke, I told you, in Richmond, he's putting it together with bare hands. He's not even wearing gloves. You know, I want a little bit of hygiene, I'm afraid, going on. But he puts it into a machine and the machine sort of squashes it all together and melts the cheese over this, well, bacon came from... Why do these people burn bacon? There's a place, you walk into Waterloo Station, if you're lucky enough to get anywhere near it this morning, and there's one of these, you know... It's, it's sort of like, you know, West Country pasty companies or something like that. And, uh, and they go, bacon roll. They burn the bacon to pieces. These people can't cook bacon. They've obviously got no idea. Idiots, honestly. Uh, the highest paid player is on the front page of the Daily Telegraph in the Premier League history. He earns 600000 a week. 600000 a... Why didn't my parents teach me football? Why did I get knitting and embroidery? Something's gone wrong somewhere, isn't it? Children obese at 11, doomed to an early death. There you go. Happy days. Happy days. It'll save you on the Christmas presents. Save the date for another royal wedding. Why should we bother? We don't care about her now. We're not going to care about her next year. This is Eugenie. That's how apparently Prince Andrew pronounces it. Pretentious? I think so. Do you think the Queen goes, Eugenie? Where did that one come from? Eugenie. It's Eugenie, isn't it, mate? Like the other one's Beatrice. Or is it Beatrice? (laughs) It's like Clapham is Clam, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, she's marrying a barman, you know, at Mahiki. And so that's great. They're going to get married at uh, St George's Chapel. Who cares? Who cares? Unfortunately, as I say, the only thing disappointing with the royal family is that Sarah Ferguson will be there. Uh, The Express this morning, May will stop EU bid to derail Brexit. Asthma. The top ten myths... You must ignore, you know, people using their asthma inhalers, things like that. Uh, The Daily Mail have um, Eugenie. Eugenie, I ask you, who pronounces it Eugenie? I was over the moon crying. I've been going out seven years. I know, we'll all be crying same time next year. Perhaps we get a day off or something like that. Um, What was the other one? Oh, yes, Putin, a clear and present danger. That's all we need, isn't it? Anyway, that's it for this morning. Thank you so much indeed for your company. Make sure you download the LBC app as well as listening to LBC wherever you are. You can now listen back to this and all of our other programmes from the last week for free. Not a, not a penny piece will it cost you. There you go. That's the bargain of the day. Uh, and you, you also get my free podcast as well. Every day I do a free podcast on my little bit extra today. I'll tell you about John Barnes' backdoor eviction. You heard me. I'll also tell you what Gemma Collins must think when she's asked if she's had a frisson. Plus, you'll find out which sad old man has been hanging out at the Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida. And it isn't Donald Trump. My little bit extra will be available very shortly. And it's totally free. Download the LBC app for iPhone or Android. Tap on Catch Up. It's as simple as that. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Enjoy your day. They, what did they say yesterday? It's hot as Athens. Must be blooming freezing in Athens at the moment because it's not like that here. It's miserable. Coming up at 10, it's James O'Brien. Hopefully we'll have good news on The Strand later on. But next, the award-winning Nick Ferrari at breakfast. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.